Monsters have taken their place among cinematic history, but who are the real monsters? Are they the scaly creatures that haunt our nightmares? Or are they the person you see every day just casually walking down the street? What happens when man outweighs the monster on the screen and creep into our lives and dreams? With our co-hosts Joe Radazzo, Vicky Ray, and Keith Shago, they will uncover who are the real villains as we explore the classic cinema along with some modern greats and find the monster within us. Hello, welcome to the Two License Podcast, and it's MMM Week where we discuss monsters and madmen. And the two films that we're doing today are both from 1976, which is The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane, starring Jodie Foster and... Martin Sheen, and Alice Sweet Alice, starring a Brooke Shields, whose acting career pretty much stayed the same as this. So before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. And I guess we will introduce who we have with us first. First, we have Joe Randazza. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. And Vicky Ray. Hi, everybody. And David. Hey, ciao tutti. Hi, everyone. <laughs> 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 and I'm your host, Keith Jago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've both been up to. Starting with you, Joe, what have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Well, it's only been a few days, so not not all that much. I was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, just, uh, well, there, there's something that, uh, that, that came about this morning that I can't talk about yet until uh, the film festival announces it. So I'm just going to leave that, uh, you know, uh, leave that until it's, uh, until it's announced um we'll hear more about that in two weeks time (laughs) yeah we'll know about that in a couple of weeks uh they they asked me not to say anything until they until they announce it um uh besides that watching watching the movies for this and uh yeah just the um between the holidays and birthdays in in the month of january like my wallet took a giant hit oh shit buddy i got you on that (laughs) yeah i was like like what yeah one of my best friends my nephew both had birthdays in january this was right after the holidays i'm like all right i i need to i need to chill and stay at home and not do things for a little while and just kind of let everything build back up before <laughs> before i do anything but i'm hoping uh i'm hoping to get more uh get more travel in this year and get get out to a lot more uh, a lot more film festivals and just get i, I haven't been i realized i haven't been out to la now in 5 years so hopefully I can I can get back out to LA again, get back out to you know get around again. Um, besides that, just yeah, not much. Just kind of watching watching the movies for this. I've been continuing this weekly uh, noir watch challenge where every week they give a uh, every week there's a um, uh, let's say a category that that, that I have to fulfill. And uh, uh, what was this week's? Well, this week's was uh, Diners in Film Noir, so I watched a movie called The Tattooed Stranger, which is about a woman, uh, a waitress who's found dead in Central Park, and the cops kind of trying to figure out who killed her. Uh, really oh, so, it's, so it's not fiction. <laughs> it, it's what? 
so it's not fiction. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was really cool is seeing like you know the Whitestone Bridge in the 1950s and seeing right. you know seeing Brooklyn and and Manhattan and Queens in the 1950s. That's really so retro really cool to too. 30 years before I was born. So Pretty cool. uh, that, that's always it's always cool to see your your hometown. Uh, and there were a lot of tropes in it that kind of reminded me of horror movies. Like they're like in the course of the investigation, they were they were looking every like even going through cemeteries looking for clues. And I'm like, there there's kind of a horror noir ish uh, feel to it, and I really enjoyed that. Um, what was next? Oh, next week is watch uh, watch a noir directed by a woman. So that's uh, so I'll, I'll I'll be doing that. That's um, that's basically it. Just kind of chilling, having a quiet time at home and uh, saving up for hopefully a spring where I can get out and get to travel more again, because that's that's something I miss. I miss L.A. (laughs) Well, they've been getting inundated with water. I'd say it was going to be warm and beautiful there, but they've really got it wrapped on the storms. March, April, it should be fine. (laughs) As I was saying, hopefully it'll be better by then. Oh my God, they've been hammered the last month. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna be able to really take a trip out there until the spring until at least the spring anyway. So Hmm. very cool. What what about yourself, David? What have you been up to? Um as I say last week I've been basically to London for training one of my colleagues, that was Thursday last week, and then I went back to London Monday and Tuesday to, again to the office. I love going to London. It's definitely one of my favorite cities. I haven't left ever Europe, unfortunately, but for the Euro area, European area that I visited, London is definitely my favorite city because it's kind of multicultural, and I fell in love when I moved to invest in the UK. It's a cool so kind of. Uh, it's a, do you say a small city? I say it's a great city. I love oh, London. Great I haven't city. been back in quite a few years. I'm really looking forward to trying to go back. God, it's the <laughs> pandemic. I, I love it. I've got good memories and bad memory. Don't, memories, don't get me wrong. But I'm planning within the next six months to move back to London again. Hopefully, they're going to move me from the Cambridge office to the London office. Fingers crossed. I don't know. But we'll see. Um, then I've got one back to Kung Fu because I started Kung Fu two months and a half ago. I'm loving it. Um, and then, well, that's the kind of downside as well, because I'm kind of, you know, the news of the war at the moment, so it's scary, but let's not get into that. I'm just trying to be positive and everything. Um, yesterday, I watched Encanto from the Disney movie. I don't know if you ever watched it. I quite liked it. Quite. I cute. still haven't watched that. I keep meaning to, and then I forget about it. I don't know why I keep forgetting. I like, I really, really liked it. It's all about basically family, and then obviously family drama and everything. And it kind of made me feel like, oh, I kind of miss my mom and my auntie, because basically I consider my mom and my auntie my two parents, if that makes sense. I always right. see my mom yeah, and my auntie as my two parents. And I miss them and my cousin, I miss my other brother, because I've got one brother here and one brother is still in Italy. I kind of miss them also. Uh, yeah, but I still Aww. like the fact that I'm here and I'm working as hard as possible just to do a little bit of career and building my future, but still miss my mom. Moms are moms. Yeah. I always say that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> that's a good thing. Always love your mom. Yeah, always, always. What about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to? Actually, not a whole lot either. It's been kind of a rainy, cold week here in Texas. I've just about had enough of this shit. I'm ready for 104 degrees. I miss it. I don't care who hates it. I like it. But anyway, I've watched the movie the other night ago. I kept falling asleep, but I finally finished watching it. It was called Love and Monsters. It was kind of cute, funny. The monsters were kind of fun. 
it was like the end of the world kind of thing. Um, still watching True Blood, and I'm into season two. I'm trying not to binge watch it too fast this time around because it's really kind of fun the second time around because I really missed a lot of shit in that series the last time. Yeah, it's, it's pretty like racy. I love it. I don't know why. It's just good, clean fun as far as I'm concerned. And I watched when I watched Scott had on. I guess he must kind of slept early this, this morning. He had on um, the stepfather. Any of you ever watched that? Um, yeah, with, uh, that's oh, a good film, Quinn. Oh my God, that was so good. I didn't fall back asleep. I finished watching that. There's a second one too, and he's in it. So I might um, watch that again. There's a third one. Is there? Yeah, I, I saw the second one. I finished, I still watching The Last of Us. I want to binge watch it, but they're only giving me like an episode every week and it's pissing me off. I'm waiting, I'm waiting on that one. I'm just going to wait like I did with uh, uh, with the offer where until right. like it's like just yeah, a couple weeks I know. before it's, it's, and then I watched them all over patiently week. though for uh the boys to come back I really really I still gotta watch the last season of the boys I I've only seen the first two and what else did we watch we watched wrong turn the 2003 wrong turn not the 2020 wrong turn because the 2003 is much better than the 2020 and um oh yeah i watched adam's uh, adam's rib with spencer tracy and, and heifer and well, i love that movie it was so good and seen it a long time but you know other than that just trying to recover from the holiday still financially and otherwise so. i'm actually waiting to check out i i, I ha i've seen it before but it's been a long time uh i have the uh, spencer tracy ingrid bergman jekyll and hyde and i the last couple of weeks, I've been watching a lot of Ingrid Bergman uh, movies. I, I just love random, her. I've always randomly, loved her. yeah, I, I've, I've been watching a lot of Hitchcock movies since the new year, and she's. Man, in, I wish you were around when we were doing Alfred Hitchcock. I know. I well, yeah, you guys did that uh, before I was on the podcast, but yeah. uh, I watched uh, Spellbound, Notorious. I randomly watched Casablanca one night because was, um, I was on uh, Mark Krawcheck's uh, podcast in the, towards the beginning of the year. And he, uh, uh, it's called the Spoiler Room. If anybody wants to check it out, yeah, I, I, I just subscribed to it because uh, he had hit some pretty good stuff on yeah, there. Yeah, I've been on there twice. We, uh, I was on, oh, no, three times. I was on there when he did Sleepaway Camp. I was on there when he did, um, uh, uh, the Burning, and then I was on there at the beginning of the month where we did uh, Murder on the Orient Express, and I, and I just kind of watched the like inadvertently watched a lot of Ingrid Bergman and then one night I was like you know what let me just rewatch Casablanca because I'll watch that like once every every year or so and I was like I haven't seen it in about a year and then I found out it's playing in the theater in March so I'm gonna go see it on the big screen in March and then I was just like you know I got the Ingrid Bergman Spencer Tracy Jekyll and Hyde and I have uh I haven't seen that in forever so let me give that another shot I remember not liking it when I saw it as a teenager and I never watched it again but it's on this uh this four movie uh, uh, box set from uh, from Turner Classic Movies of horror movies. I'm like, let me just give it another shot. It's right there. Right. <laughs> let me just throw it on. Um, I still so, yeah, gotta watch Scarface, the old one. I've never seen that one. Never. Seen oh, that. I can't wait to get your thoughts on it next month. Then that's gonna be fun. I'm sure I love, I'll love it. I love both versions. Uh, they're very, they're two very different movies. They're not the same. I already figured that much out just by watching the, well, I've seen the other Scarface, the new one, a thousand times since college. And um, not a thousand, but you know what I mean. And I've never seen the older version. I've just never got down to sit down and watch it. And I, I know they're two totally separate films. So. I mean, there's, there's aspects of it that are very similar, but yeah, it's, this is, 
to the end i'm gonna i'm gonna watch them like really close together and then at the end when keith asks which one we prefer i'll figure it out then because like that's gonna be a toss-up that that'll be hard probably it's kind of hard when it's two movies that are so so different and so good yeah yeah what about yourself keith well i spent most of my week at the police station this week what'd you do now are you hooking again yeah, whisk off tool for last station. No, because um, basically what's happening is, is I have a stalker that's basically um, I've been getting gifts and stuff, and I haven't thought anything much of it, but now they've been hand delivering stuff to my home and to my work, and they don't know who oh, it is. Gosh, so I basically, thought when we talked, I thought we knew who that was. No, we don't actually. So, um so basically, I had to like take my phone in. They made a copy of my phone. Had to go through my emails and everything like that. But oh, apparently, they buddy. can't. So basically, my soccer's out there. Um, I, I'm looking for a new car. No I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> but, I was gonna um, say for a nominal fee, I'll get him to yeah. date you. <laughs> but um, no, I mean the thing is, I mean the reason why is only because they've been. They're, 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 I mean, I don't know where they got my home address for from, That's but now they got. But they got my work address and my Credit boss. Credit the internet, baby. Well, well, they wouldn't have my work address though. That's the thing. So, but anyway, that, that um, means that they are definitely stalking you, hon. Be careful. Yeah. Uh, well, the police said they can't do anything until he physically attacks me. So. <laughs> that sounds so, about but, right. Yeah, but but the good Open thing. Open carry. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Open well. carry. And then um um oh, but I mean the thing is is um. The cards and stuff are getting a bit threatening now. So it's like, okay. Well, let's just sit there and say they sound like Yvonne Elliman. If I can't have you, I don't want oh, nobody. No, baby. no, no, oh, no, 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 no. So, yeah. What is so, it with people? I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, God, I, I mean, I'm sure they could find someone a bit more interesting than me. <laughs> but anyway, it is what it is. I still, so anyway, they don't know who it is. So, now what I got to do is anytime I get anything, I have to get them to come by and pick it up. So, so, so went and filed the report, had to go back and they got some more stuff on Thursday, got some stuff today. So I had to drop it off at the police station. So yeah, it's, it's odd. So, but I mean, you know, when you're as pretty and gorgeous as I. Yeah. And outside of that, um, I started watching this BBC series called Happy Valley, which is fucking fantastic. Really? Excellent. Really is it good. Redbox? Um, it's on BBC here, so it's probably on BBC America. I haven't BBC. seen anything on that. Yeah, but it's called Happy Valley. It's won all awards. It's got Sarah Lancaster, who also did the Julia TV series. She's Julia Childs in that TV series. Oh, her. She's fantastic. Yeah, and this is it's really good. I mean, this is the third season that's playing here. So basically I haven't seen anyone. So everyone's been saying to watch them. So I started watching it. So I'm in the middle of season two at the moment. There are only like six episodes per season, so it's pretty easy to get through. And then um and then I started watching this thing on Netflix called Physique One Hundred. It's this Korean show one hundred. So they take all the greatest bodies in Korea. And, we're not, and, they're, and they're from all they're all from all types you know there's modeling actors uh-huh. bodybuilders one kwandu and basically there's only 
a hundred of them and there's only going to be one winner. And basically, I mean, the first challenge is that they had to hang from this bar, like up in the air over this water and just hang there. And then almost all, most of them dropped within 10 seconds. Like the big bodybuilders dropped. So it's quite interesting. Now they're going one-on-one -on -one against each other. And by the end of it, there'll only be one winner. Sounds like special ops over here. They got like a special ops show. I don't know if that's the name for the celebrities. And it's like Navy SEAL boot camp. I keep meaning to check it out. I just never turned it on, but it looks pretty well, this brutal. One's, this one's quite good because, um, I mean, the thing they're not celebrities or anything like that. It's not, and it's not, there's no drama either. You know, like right. sometimes you get like, you know, you get these people from like Big Brother and right. X on the beach or and the shit like that. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're all fighting with each other because they're they're just you know they're just reality TV stars. So mm -hmm. so it's quite interesting. That's on Netflix. I've been watching that. And I did watch I, I did watch all the circle, which I kind of that's probably my daughter nine hours. loves it. Well, it's probably nine it hours of my life. It was an interesting kind of I don't like reality shows, but it was kind of a cool. I like the first season. I, I think the problem is is that some with these reality programs, the the reality game shows that sit sit there and say is that the first season's always the best. By the second and third season, they all know what they're doing. Yeah. The, and and I don't know about you, but I'm I'm sure you know if you're if our stalkers out there, please don't hate me. But um, <laughs> but, but um, but what I'm finding it difficult is, is like, oh, there's so many gay people on TV, but why is it always the worst gays that got on TV? The ones who screamed the loudest, the ones who are the most effeminate. I can't. That's like, it's like, oh my god, if one more gay screams, it's like I can't deal with it. It's like, it's like, it's like, oh, it's like if someone, you know, got all these gays on TV, it's great. It's like, yeah, but y'all stereotype gays. It's like it's all stereotype they are. Gays. You are so right about about that i mean especially right now they do stereotype the gays yeah and i don't know why they do that every, and every every time there's a lesbian there she's drinking herbal tea and she's wearing earth shoes i just don't understand you no know, or they're really butch or something like that and yeah precisely there's never like a there's, there's no happy a, medium yeah i don't understand it's like everyone's happy about this it's like are they it's like everyone just looks like a reject from RuPaul's Drag Race. Well, that just reminded me of. Uh, have you guys ever seen? Uh, there was a there was a roast to Jess Frank. Uh, not Jess for James Franco. Jesus Christ, Jess Franco and James Franco are completely different people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a roast to James Franco, and uh, Bill Hader came out. Uh, with uh gray hair and a and a and a tracksuit and called himself the president of Hollywood. And uh I think he had a Z I think Aziz Ansari was on the uh uh was on the uh the dais. So he was making fun of Aziz Ansari and he was like it's uh, it's amazing to uh, he was you know he was playing a character called the president of Hollywood. It's amazing to me. You you've you've done all this work uh and you've never done any of the stereotypical stuff. But you would have made so much more money if you did. <laughs> that, just, that, that just reminded me of. <laughs> That's funny, but he's right, though. They stereotype everybody. They yeah, you do the stereotypical stuff. You get, you, that's how you make the money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. I just, I don't know. I just feel, it just makes me feel, I don't know, antisocial for my own people. 
I can't connect. Unfortunately, that's what makes TV. It's kind of like when you have people arguing or stereotypes or whatever, people are more interested into that. When it's a bit more serious, when there's real analysis of society and how it really works, it's kind of like, oh, it's boring. I, for me, it's the completely the opposite. Like even when when I lived in Watford, I was a period when I watched three seasons of Big Brother because I lived with my ex and he used to love you know, watching Big Brother, I used to hate the idea of watching Big Brother. So it was like, okay, let's get into it. It's very psychological. I was like, okay, so it's a social experiment. Let's watch it. All I would say is just random people arguing, arguing. And I was like, this is exactly why I didn't want to watch it because it's silly. It doesn't give me anything. Seeing people argue, it just, I don't get anything. And then all these stereotypes and it's just, no, yeah. not for me. So I can't stand the reality. Not for me. Well, if I, if I want to, I don't know, if I want to see people arguing, I'll just go home for Thanksgiving. I hate the way Italian Americans are portrayed in a lot of movies and TV oh, shows. Like, yeah, I don't even like, get look that. at the Jersey Shore. Look at the Jersey Shore. I'm like, I don't want that. Like, that I don't is so want that. embarrassing. I'm sorry. I don't know if you're a fan, but Jersey Shore is embarrassing. If I, to me, it was. I, yeah, but you, you, you three do know being Italian American. That's the reason why I got you on the show because. <laughs> 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 oh, so so Joe, you're Italian American. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, v- Vicky Stucky. Oh. <laughs> I'm sec- second generation. Uh, my my parents uh, came over from Italy. Yeah. Oh, second can, generation of the olive oil boat. Can, can I ask from where? Right? I'm just curious. If uh, I'm actually it. actually Sicilian. They were from. Uh, oh, Sicily. Were from, okay. Uh, they were from Carini. So. Oh, I don't yeah, know the, were, the city, but yeah. A lot of okay, my family. Okay, just curious. We still got, we still got uh, family from Palermo. Oh, Palermo, okay. I've never been to Sicilia. So yeah, the, sure, the closest big city was Palermo. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. The I sort love of Italy. capital, yeah. I've never Why seen not? so many people smoke so many cigarettes in my entire life. <laughs> it's a very never, Everybody's got to have lung cancer in Italy. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's why I have four or five double double shot espressos a day. Yeah, I think that's, that's part of the... Uh, well, they look at you like you're nuts. It's just like, well, you know, these are really strong. Well, that's when I was in Turkey. I asked for double espressos. They go, this is really strong. And I go, your point is what, yeah. sir? You know, it's, I want it. It's fine. I'm Italian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, sh- you should have seen me, my ex, a lot of friends, Italian friends I have here when we first came to the UK, the seeing the sizes of the classic like American coffee or watered down coffee. We look at that as like, yeah. what is that? Because we normally have espresso or like a macchiato or a cappuccino. Exactly. When you have the big cup, it's so weird. I mean, I'm used to it now. But then at the very beginning, was like, that's weird. <laughs> I, I like my caffeine concentrated. I want as yeah. much bang for my buck as possible. I don't need all the water in it. I drink enough water as it is. I, <laughs> I, I drink 64 to 100 ounces of water a day. So I don't need water in my coffee. I just want the caffeine part. <laughs> that's one thing though i was when i was in italy i was like sheriff bing 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 ricochet rabbit because i love coffee wherever i went in rome or, or naples wherever i drank coffee i mean any corner of the globe i have been to i will drink their coffee to see if it is strong <laughs> enough but the yeah. italians definitely have the market cornered, even over to turkey so oh my my mother <laughs> we, we had companies show up at 8 p.m she is making some espresso. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. any time of the day, even just Your an hour. Your mom was a good bed. woman. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we get the we get the little cups, a little bit of sugar, and we drink got espresso. Got little spoons. Got to have the little spoons. Well, you yeah, have the, the little spoons. Whoever showed up was proper enough <laughs> to bring uh, a white box with strings on it, and you open it up, and there was a bunch of cookies and biscuits and the whatever. Italian cookies, oh, yeah. like the little round white ones and the chocolate ones. Th those and also the uh, the seven layer the seven layer rainbow cookies, which and the I biscotti, love. biscotti, chocolate fucking oh, biscotti, man. <laughs> <laughs> Is the, the lemon cookies that never went bad. So somebody would bring us a pack of lemon cookies in one of those, and we guys have are making months. me hungry. I'm gonna have to start shopping for this shit on Amazon. When we're done. <laughs> I promise, <laughs> if you like, if it, if you like Italian biscotti, we have uh, the, the biggest, famous, most famous brand that we have is Molino Bianco. It's like a they are very famous it. brand. It does so many types of biscuits that you have no idea. You just I go to them and then you look at them. They're very simple, but oh, they they. I used to love I them. Now I'm celiac. I can't have them. But, oh I, my god, you still it cost them. a lot to ship them, but I sent it to my mom. She loves yeah, but once in a while, why not? Why, why, the know, thing when, whenever whenever I go back to whenever I go back to New York, my brother lives in a very Italian neighborhood. So uh I hit up all the Italian bakeries and I oh yeah. Cannoli, cannoli. Oh, oh that's Papa Siciliano. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, this is what happens if you tell three people they're Italian. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking, talking about food. Yeah, but the real reason, the real, the real reason we talk about food is because when we are abroad, we miss the food stuff that we have from our country. That's why, like the stuff that I found traditional well, Italian stuff, it's funny. But it's like it, six it, times it, the price. But isn't either food or illegal crime? Isn't it? I mean, that's what you. <laughs> That's what we're known for. Yeah, you've been watching too much of the Sopranos. <laughs> I've seen The Godfather, I know. Take the gun, <laughs> leave the cannoli, yeah. Pizza, <laughs> pizza and the mafia, which does not exist. <laughs> I would kind of... Black nah, hand it does, does exist. exist, though. Yeah, it does exist. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know. When I went to Sicily, I was walking down the street and the car next to me got his windows shot out. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just another day in the life, you know. Look, it goes a mafia. But I, I have to sit there and say that, um, um, because I, I know the trick when you go to Italy. What you do is, if you do not make sure they don't put you in the tourist place, make sure they sit you in behind where the locals sit. That's where the best time is. I agree, and every everywhere because, you travel, to be honest, is always like it's yeah. Well, when I was in Sicily, we um we basically party with the person who does the um dubbing for Robert De Niro. So that was quite fun. Oh. I just realized I haven't been I haven't been to Italy since 1994. It's been 29 years since the last time I've been in Italy. About four years. Wow, it's a long mm -hmm. time. Now they're, very, <laughs> and now they're very embroiled into the EU now. So it's probably more EU friendly than it was in '94. Yeah. I thought they were non-EU friendly. I thought they had a conservative prime minister now. No, they're still EU. They're part of the yeah. EU. They are still about the, the yeah. The current prime minister is a bit. Uh... Well, let's not get into politics. Right? <laughs> no, I don't know. No, don't. Let's yeah, not, because I'm. Yeah. Uh, Mussolini. He was weak. Mussolini. He was weak. Oh, <laughs> he was weak. Yeah, that's what I was trying to avoid getting into. Is her her views on Mussolini are not exactly. Uh... Mussolini. Uh -huh. Historical figure. Lest we forget, we must. And with history, just can't erase it. That's all. No, no, we have to remember always. I we have to remember always. History exists to remember and to learn from the mistakes of the past. Exactly what's right. the point? Yeah. Well, I mean, Mussolini was okay. I mean, 
Luckily, oh, I Hitler, he, he had oh Hitler. Oh my God! Take, I hope my mother doesn't he, listen to this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no, oh my God! But I think that he was lucky enough to no. exist in the time with Hitler, so kind of Hitler took everything. <laughs> he had to stand in the shadows. <laughs> well, Hitler admired him, though. He had—he was like a fanboy, wasn't he? I believe. Well, like him, him and Franco, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. they were fanboys of Mussolini. Yeah. But let's just say that from an Italian unless you're one of those weird, super extremist, weird people, unfortunately, they're still out there like, oh, back in the days, Mussolini was a great figure. And we're like, mm. you know, normally the average is in the- Said in none in of Italy, my relatives, bless like their hearts that. and souls. I, I was going to say, we, we, you, you can tell, like the people listening couldn't tell because they can't see Keith's face. When, we, when, when he started that, it was clear he was going, Towards the joke, and we all cut him off. So, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. People I'm listening well, might not. Might not <laughs> well, that's the whole joking. point, Joe. He's trying to get us going. We got to give him something, you know. <laughs> I tell you, I, to be honest, though, I think the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in Europe is I went to Austria to visit my friend Petra, and um, Petra goes, Petra goes, you won't believe this. She goes, because she lives in um Dornbirn, and. She goes, let's go outside because I want to I want to show you like a really small village out in the black forest. So we so we get it so we oh, get in a car and we go to this small village. And basically there's these Nazi signs and everything, and they were celebrating oh Hitler's God. birthday. Oh <laughs> man, they, hey, they're all over the God, place. No. Them freaks yeah. are still everywhere. She goes, Unfortunately, she goes, look, she goes, she goes, she goes, she goes. Which goes when we arrive, it's like it's like you know, all these little swat bigger flags and everything like this, and everyone's like. Singing or whatever. I have such a hard time. I would, I would have really had a hard time. Like, and Patrick, Patrick goes, whatever you do, Patrick goes, whatever you do, don't open your mouth because they don't like Americans. It's like, okay. <laughs> that would have just, yeah, so, whatever. I, 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 would day, I, I need to take all that. the old stories that my mom and my dad and my uncles told me about growing up in, um, in Italy under Mussolini. Just because, like, these are stories from people who are like, you know, on the ground. There, kind of put something together with it, because uh, mm -hmm. there were a lot of stories that that could, if I if I could figure out the brain goo that's up here and uh, morph them into something concise, I would love to write something uh, about about their cool. experiences as, as they as they um, passed them down to me. And actually, I, that reminds me, I saw two women by uh, Vittorio De Sica earlier this year. Which was uh, Sophia Loren. Uh, she was to related to Mussolini. I don't know if she was related or not. She, I, I believe she was related to him. I believe so. She, she, she played a woman who was trying to get away from all the bombings in Rome and taking her her daughter to like the rural areas of Italy uh, in the hopes that they're that they're not getting bombed uh, as frequently. So that that was another really great one I saw this year. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. I've watched a lot of movies from very early into the year. <laughs> I know you've been on a roll, man. Well, I mean, when I you're trying to stay stay home and save money, you know, okay, well, I'll watch a movie. I'll watch another movie. Okay, Mussolini. Okay, um, in 1962, Maria, I cannot say this, and I'm happy to tell you, Scalone, the younger sister of Sophia Loren, had two daughters. She was apparently married to the brother of Mussolini. Okay, so they were like it, like. Like second younger sister Anna Maria, seen here with Sophia, uh, became the wife of Romano Mussolini, the youngest. I don't know. Uh, the okay. families are related through marriage, anyway. I knew it was somehow. My mother told me about that a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I always feel sorry for like the third and fourth cousin. 
<laughs> because because that's what they say you're a third or fourth cousin that's what they're saying you're a third or fourth cousin of like hitler and your last name is hitler. like there's nothing you can do it's like our does anybody even have that name though is there anybody named hitler or does everybody change their name i think you know? they all change their names i don't think anybody wanted to be associated with that no and of course not of course, you probably got one, you probably got one stupid family member who decided to just change like a letter, so he's Hisler. Hisler, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll just change the I'll just change the Z. No, no, no. There's always one in every family. There is. There <laughs> he also is. he also killed the Charlie Chaplin mustache, and that's never been able to come back. Oh my yeah. God! You can't, Michael, you can't even kid around with that shit because someone. Do you, remember when, do you remember when Michael Jordan briefly had it for like a couple of Haynes commercials? No, he, even I know. he couldn't bring it back. If you look it up, Michael Jordan for a little while had like the little Hitler mustache. Hitler thingy going on. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, he could even he could yeah, make that work. He was beloved at the time. Well, even Prince Harry couldn't get couldn't bring the outfit back. <laughs> 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 you know, open-minded Harry. Sorry, Mary. Y'all need to come. Y'all need to come back and then reclaim them too, and get them the hell out. No, 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 no. Let, let we can leave the mustaches in the past. I don't like mustaches. Yeah, you, 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 can, you can keep. You can. You can keep Harry and Megan. They're yours. Oh. <laughs> oh my God! I cannot. She's got to go. This is this is the price you pay for dumping all that tea into the Boston Harbor. Pay back some bit. <laughs> the Queen's Revenge. Precisely. And speaking about payback, this brings us to the little girl who lives down the lane. <laughs> Which is a 1976 cross genre film directed by Nicholas Gassner and starring Jodie Foster, Martin Sheen, Alexis Smith, Mort Schumann, and Scott Jacoby. It was a co-production of Canada and France and written by Laird Corning, based on his 1974 novel of the same title. The plot focuses on a 13-year-old Rin Jacobs, a child whose absent poet father and secretive behavior prod the suspicions of a conservative small town main neighbor. The adoption originally intended as a play was filmed in Quebec on a small budget. The production later exactly. became the subject of contra contra the subject of controversy over reports that Foster had conflicts with producers over the filming and inclusion of a nude scene. But a 24-year-old body double, Foster's sister, was used. After a screening at the 1976 Cannes Film Festival, a court challenge was launched regarding distribution and a general release followed in 1977. Initially released to mixed reviews with some critics finding the murder mystery plot weak, but Jodie Foster's performance more meticulous. The film won two Saturn Awards, including Best Horror Film and Best Actress with Foster. It subsequently attained cult status and later critics positively reviewing the screenplay. Writers and academics have interpreted it as a statement on children's rights and various placed it in the thriller, horror, mystery, or other genres. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane and right back. They called her The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. All alone in that big house. Who was she? And what was her secret? A lot of people wondered. Like Mario 
the local comedian. Somebody's out there. Officer Miglioretti, the local cop. I don't believe what you've been telling me about your father. You're a very pretty girl, you know that? Pretty eyes. Frank Hallett, the local creep. And nasty Mrs. Hallett, the local gossip. Mrs. Hallett, I'm warning you! I want to know what's been happening here in this house. I want to know what happened here today! I think I should warn you that the police are watching our house right this very minute, Mr. Hallett. Aren't you scared? Of what? Of being alone. No one will know about us. I never knew how much I needed you. Now listen to me, young lady. I know you're up to something. Go in that study, Mrs. Hallett, and I tell my father about your son. I even had to ask him why the police don't do anything about it. Why should they do anything? When your son gives candy to pretty little girls? Academy Award nominee, Jodie Foster, Martin Sheen, Alexis Smith. Get out of here! The little girl who lives down the lane. Welcome back to the Horizons Podcast. We're discussing the little girl who lived on the lane from 1974. And Joe, what are your thoughts on the little girl who lived on the lane? Well, um, I had only seen this movie for the first time last year when it played on uh, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. So I'm kind of new to this. I remember hearing about it and it, it being one of those, you know, one of those infamous movies, like he said in the intro, that there was controversial because of a nude scene. Uh, nude scene. And, it, you know, Joe Bob even explained on there, you know, on, on the uh, on the episode, it's her older sister who's in her 20s and they shoot her from behind. So I'm, I'm guessing she probably looked like profile wise looks the it same. It did, but you could tell when she gets into bed, you could see that it wasn't Jodie Foster just for that brief second if you're paying yeah. attention. Uh, but um, I mean, it's as far as just the film itself, um, I think it's actually a tremendous film. Right. Um, I think it's very, very well made. Um, Jodie Foster is able to carry a movie when she's 13 years old. Oh, shit, I know. Which is just amazing. And this kind is of a glimpse up... of things to come, you know? I mean, we're, we're recording this on a week where the Razzies just got in trouble for nominating a child actor for worst actress uh, for the movie, for the uh, remake of Firestarter. But you, uh, but this, this movie shows that like, an actress who is, I, I heard it's, I heard it sucked. I haven't seen it. Yeah, everybody, everybody that, everybody I know that's seen Fire, the new Firestarter says it's terrible. So, I don't know. Maybe eventually I'll check it out because it'll be like, what the fuck? Why not? I'll, 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 I'll say it makes Drew Barrymore's version look like a masterpiece. That's the put it. Uh, <laughs> and I never, I was never crazy about that one either. Um, I don't know. She had backlighting. She had backlighting and a little wind blow behind her hair every time she set it a fire. <laughs> I mean, you guys, you guys know the last couple of years I've been doing these horror movie watch list challenges and around Halloween. Maybe something will, will call for me watching that because I'll, it'll fall under some category. Oh, I'll someday it'll be rainy or it'll be snowing and cold out and you'll just say, fuck it, why not? You'll watch it, mm -hmm. I know you. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, if you see my DVD and Blu-ray collection, uh, I will pro I will never have the problem where it's like, oh, I gotta watch it. I gotta watch this movie. Maybe we'll cover it on Make Remake and that, that'll be my reason to have to watch it. 
Um, but yeah, uh, fire starter aside, the little girl who lives down the lane is just a fantastic example of how a child actor could lead a movie and actually do it successfully and do it really well. And I don't know how old Scott Jacoby was uh, for this. He was super young too. He had to be uh, about 17 or 18, don't you think? He might've been a little older. A little older. Um, but yeah, yeah, I gotta look that up. That's gonna bug me. He, he was doing a lot around this time. I don't know if he was a teenager. He was, if he wasn't a teenager, he was in his early twenties. And the two of them are really good together. Um, I Shit, love, they were fantastic together. Yeah, I mean, um, he's. I, I was telling Vicky uh, to check, and I'll, I'll tell all you guys to check it out uh, if you can uh, get your hands on it. If you want to see him in a horror movie where he's the lead, uh, watch Bad Ronald. Oh my 19, god, I forgot! I've got to rent it. I've got 1974 it. made-for-TV movie uh, where he's uh, very similar to this. He's a well in in a different way though. He he plays he plays a young boy who's being bullied. He accidentally kills a girl that's bullying him. His mom hides him out behind the walls, and then his mom dies, leaving him basically on his own. So it's th there's some aspects of it that are similar, but that one's more of a straight horror movie. Where this one's, you know, this one's more of a thriller. Um, Martin Sheen is just. Oh made me want to take a shower that's he how is i go so creepy he's he, so creepy in this he's sick creepy it's it's almost hard to watch him in this this role because he's so it. offensive as a human being you know you can see it right in the beginning right the first time he walks into that house you can see like the weird perversions that he's got are kind of already ruminating in his head and it, it comes out it his dialogue the way he the way he phrases everything is just dripping with it and i wonder sometimes how much of that was the writing versus the performance because both are phenomenal like everything he says could be construed as as normal or well, i guess it would be performance then because it, it rides that line of being something that's technically not wrong to say in a lot of cases but his cadence in it is just absolutely sleazy it is uh, i mean it made you feel dirty almost watching it in a voyeuristic sense yeah you know, it really really did and it almost had a black christmas kind of feeling to it didn't you think I, the film I, I don't know what 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 uh, what was the 16 millimeter obviously i don't believe but i think this might have been 35 but 35. it had that feeling about it even if you watch the cleaned up version don't you enjoy your films like those ones particular well they're, they're filmed, but they're filmed around the same time period anyway i mean what black christmas is what 76 uh, black christmas was two years before this was 76 so. oh, well, this, well this might have been filmed in 74 or 75 this came out in 76 black christmas came out in 74 well, they all got that gritty look to them, like Rosemary's Baby, Texas Chainsaw. And this wasn't the only murderous children show, uh, shows that were coming out right about that. Oh, there were a lot. We covered the children on this a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. There was all kinds of crap coming out, like children were, know. you know, murderous I I, children, I guess. I don't know yeah. if I'd call this really a murderous children movie, though, because she's not really like... But she's all in towards the end, though, because you skip that whole three minutes of her, you know, watching, you know, I hate to spoil well, it. Well, yeah, but the thing is, is um, 
I mean, this is what's quite interesting because about it this film It doesn't seem to is, bother her having dead people in the house. It would bother me. Well, but the thing is, but she's not killing people because of the joy of it. She's killing right. people to, to, save her, to, yeah. to save herself. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, the question basically is, is that because, you know, does a child need social services if they're intelligent enough and they have the financial capability to support themselves? That, and by yeah, law they don't but obviously she i mean she could i mean she's intelligent she can budget she knows how to take care of herself so in fact she doesn't really need an adult figure there anyway we have all these adults coming into her life that, she, that are like interfering with her really exactly yeah. i mean also she the she the only person she intentionally kills is martin sheen right mm-hmm. uh with this talent was just an extra happy thing to well, happen he, well, yeah, Alexis Smith, she knocked the thing over herself when she right. was coming up out of the cellar. Um, and oh, no, she killed her mother. She killed her mother because her father. But she was, so, but she was, but she was not aware that that exactly. was going to happen. Like, right. Yeah. All her father told her is put some of this in your mother's tea, and she didn't know what it was. And she said later that she, after after, and she's apparently smart enough to break down what was in what she put in the tea right down to its elements to figure out what it was so the only yeah the only person she intentionally murders is martin sheen right. and that and even you love be- the dialogue though between her and mrs hallett and the dialogue oh, okay. between her and martin was like boom 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 i mean this is a 13 year old girl actress you like know, holy shit you know what it reminded me of is a movie you guys suggested to me the bad seed Oh the God, scene, I love that movie. It reminded yeah. me of the scenes between the little girl and the uh, the, the groundskeeper in the bad scene where they, they were saying things that weren't necessarily threatening, but again, the but. cadence of what was being said was very clear. Um, and that, yeah, uh, that's that's what this one reminded me of. I mean, I mean, if you look at Mrs. Hallett anyway, Alexis Smith does a fantastic job. Yes, she does. I love Alexis Smith uh, mm-hmm. in, in this. Um, and uh yeah she went from being like uh, the first movie i think i saw him was a uh uh fuck it was bogart movie uh uh conflict where Mm -hmm. she was the um she was the young woman that bogart became obsessed with to the point where he killed his wife thinking he could be with alexis smith which is a a very good movie by the way i really like conflict it's bogart sydney greenstreet alexis smith really fucking awesome uh uh 40s noir uh, but yeah, she's fantastic in this too. And she comes off right from the very beginning. She's just such an asshole. That <laughs> you just want to see her. Well, she does that thing that she does that thing that landlords are not supposed to do. It's like barge yeah. in. Yeah. Take, you know, oh, this is my house. Like, no, I'm renting this for you. Everybody like, barges oh, into her house. Here. That, that I was getting heated up in that moment as well. <laughs> kind of like, well, because in, in the UK, it's pretty similar. The landlords have a lot of power. So you kind of like, well, wait, okay, this is your house, but I'm actually paying you money to stay here. So I have certain rights. Obviously, this is your place, but I've got certain rights because I'm giving you money for staying here. Yeah, so you I, can't just come here and then just do this and do that. Oh, I, oh, the table was supposed to be here. Well, I don't care. I live here now. <laughs> so, I don't care how, I don't care where you think the table needs to be. <laughs> yes. That's very mean. uncomfortable. I think it was great to be very uncomfortable. She was a proper, what's the term these days? They use Karen, right? <laughs> Jacoby, Jacoby is 66 now, so how old would that have made him? Oh, well, he's six. Yeah, he was a teenager at this time. Right. Yeah, he was a teenager. 
Um, but yeah, she she's de- she's definitely got Karen energy. We got two shitty landlords in these movies. <laughs> basically, yeah. basically. But everybody comes in her. That's true. And she's also kind of a bigot because you know Mrs. Halleck came in. Oh she, yeah. She made that statement drinking that thick sweet wine that you people use in your religious rituals. You know. <laughs> so there was some. You know, there was all kinds of shitty verbiage. Well, yeah, she had a problem. Oh, obviously, she had a problem with the Italians. Yeah, she oh, didn't like the Italians. <laughs> The wa- I mean, yeah, the wops, the wops moving into her neighborhood. Yeah. So. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was saying stuff. But the th- you know, the, but the thing is, is like you know, and uh, it's quite interesting as well because around 1976, and if you look at things from the 60s and the 70s around the Maine and New New England states, I mean, what was very popular with, at that time was Shirley Jackson. All her stuff's about this small town, small mindedness, and yeah, that's uh, a good, that's a good analogy. Yeah, well, yeah. Peyton Place, well, it got Peyton Place. Peyton Place takes place in that same area as well. Right. You know, Maine, New England states, where it's all very waspy. You got your white Anglo-Saxon Protestants running around, and true, and you know, and they all, and I mean, I mean, it's a bit like in Boston. I mean, it's like you go to Boston and you throw a rock, and obviously, you, everyone claims they, you know. You know, they were on the Mayflower. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how many. I don't know how many. You know, I don't know how many people they think were on this fucking Mayflower. But apparently, <laughs> everyone in Boston <laughs> thinks they got a relative off. It's a bit like everyone thinks they got American Indian blood in them. Was it? Was this a play originally, and it was made into a novel to make the movie? They were going to turn it into a play, but then um, they decide to turn it into a movie instead. So yeah. Well, the the uh, um, when I was watching the last drive in, Joe Bob Briggs goes into why uh, apparently uh, it would have been uh, it would have been too taxing on a teenage girl to have to do this performance over and over again and yeah. miss school and all that stuff. So you can't really have like underage people that you have have that heavy roles on Broadway because they still have to do schooling and all that. And they also decided that having a woman who was of age. Right. Uh, playing younger would have been unrealistic, would have been too unrealistic in this case. So, yeah, it totally makes sense why they would they would do a movie instead. And I'm glad they did, because if it was a play, who knows if it would still be around. Right. Uh, it would still be getting revivals and everything. But uh, I, I mean, I mean there, there's some those. nuances in here as well. I mean, the thing is, is that I mean, Jodie Foster or Rain's um, mom is supposed to be abusive. And that's the reason why they keep talking about her chipped tooth all the time, because obviously it was her mother that knocked out her tooth. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. You know. Yeah. Now, uh, Chopin, yeah. Chopin, like, uh, was it Frederick Chopin's music was very important to the musical score, obviously, because oh, yeah. it's really what she had playing throughout the whole. Well, it shows, it shows, I mean, I think that was used to show someone who has intelligence <laughs> and someone who's very cultured. What was the album she had? Remember the albums Learn How to Speak Languages back then? What album was that? Hebrew. She was, she was trying learning to speak Hebrew. Hebrew. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah the, the, the interesting thing is, this is a, this is a you know, you want to call her a little girl because she is technically 13, but in some ways she comes off as a young woman because she's so well-cultured and well-versed. She's the smartest person in this movie. Well, she pretty mm-hmm. much bests all the adults. Well, yeah, she's well, she's easily the the yeah, but she's more she's more cultured, more sophisticated, more educated than these people who are 20, 30, 40 years older than her. And she's worldly as well. 
Yeah, a I lot mean, more worldly too. She can, I mean, obviously she can cook a well balanced meal as well. She knows exactly how how to you know to support yeah. herself in the kitchen. She keeps the house speculate, you know, clean. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm talking about this is someone who's very, very, you know, put together. Well, her and her father planned this. It was a systematic plan. Okay, this is where I, I did he die naturally? He, he committed that? suicide. Okay, so why did oh, yeah. she say this is the part I couldn't I couldn't back, I just couldn't find the answer. What happened to his body? Was he in the cellar too? Or did she said he'd never be found? No, he he wandered off into the ocean. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, he was apparently very done. sick, knew his death was imminent. Yeah, right. Left her a lot of money, made sure she was set up in this house. And the you know, the lease was for three years. So by the time the lease expired, she'd be 17. He knew he was gonna go any day now anyway. He wanted to go out on his own terms. I still, you know with a, a young child like that even even knowing that she could take care of herself i don't know that i'd still be able to that would be hard on me as a leave parent. her like that um he he set her up with what to do with mom if, if your abusive mother shows up <laughs> with the red nails the red nails or shit hooks. Yeah, yeah bust out bust out the almond cookies and the uh arsenic <laughs> Yeah, the the arsenic arsenic. No, wait, it was cyanide. It was potassium. Oh, cyanide. cyanide, yeah. Oh, man. Luckily, she never tried it herself. <laughs> you know, in the book, it says uh, Ren kills Mrs. Hallett by putting a gas pipe in the basement to suffocate her. Obviously, we could have been really worse in this, this movie than we were. So, I you know. I mean, then you would have gone, you know, completely into the bad seed territory. Yeah, you know, this, yeah. This this kind of rides the line perfectly because she, the, you know, the only person she kills, she kills because he is an adult who's trying to, you know, trying to molest her. Right. That's, you know, that's. And he had two kids and he looked perfectly normal, but he had to pick her out and bug her to where she yeah. remembers it was Halloween when he comes over and she cuts up that birthday cake and says, here, trick or treat yourself. Get the hell out, basically. But <laughs> yes. then he comes back. I mean. What is well, I mean, dur but during the, even during the part where he's giving, um, she's giving him the cake, he, he he gives her a pat on the ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about being familiar, golly. Um, I mean, what's what's quite interesting is the next movies that Martin Sheen and Jodie Foster would do would be Badlands, which we're covering right. next month, and of course Taxi Driver. Right, yeah. which came out the following year. For Bob, I mean, so you look at what these two these two actors. I mean, Martin Sheen was just starting out at this time. I mean, he wasn't a huge actor yet. He uh, wanted yeah. to play the part of Mario. I just can't picture that. I'm glad that it wasn't cast that way. Yeah, that would have been kind of weird. That would have been really weird. You know, especially when they get. <laughs> yeah, and Martin Sheen. I guess he blew up. I guess after Apocalypse Now. I guess yeah. the, the big yeah. one that blew up. So yeah, Martin Sheen was a couple years away from from becoming, you know, big, the megastar that he that he would become. Uh, but he, 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 he plays sleazy quite well, though. I mean, Badlands. Yeah. I mean, when we cover Badlands with Sissy Spacek next next month, I don't think I've seen Badlands yet. I, I mean, it, I, I bought the Criterion uh, of it so I could watch it. So well, it's, it's based on the two story of Richard Speckler, the serial killer, isn't it? So. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, I'm looking I forward didn't to that. I not know that one. either, but I'll have to look up the serial killer now. Yeah. Well, serial killer month, I think next month. So. I just <laughs> I think love I think serial killer. Oh, yeah, because M is the other movie, right? M, and that, which is based on that child um, 
um, a pedophile killer, wasn't it? The um, Which one? in Germany. Uh, in Germany, I can't remember the guy. I've not yeah. seen that either. So I'm kind of... Square Killer, I think. Yeah. Because they made another movie about him in the seventies um, called "The Tenderness of of the Wolves." Yeah. And that one was a lot more explicit than this one was. Yeah. See, I've not oh seen gosh. these, so I'm kind of excited to see something I haven't seen before. Well, it's got Peter Lorre. You've never seen that either? This is Peter Lorre's first film, so. Oh, that's, a, that's right. It's a 1930s film, isn't it? Yeah. Peter Lorre was such yeah, a, the first time I, This is the first time I'm covering Fritz Lang with you guys. So. I love Peter Lorre movies, period. And this one I've never seen, so this is going to be fun for me. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait for. I can't wait for it either. It's been a long time since I've seen M, and I've never seen Badlands. So that'll that'll both be. Uh, they'll both be. Oh my God! I I the three of the four movies that we're covering next month. I love three of them. The the three that I've seen. So this is this mm. is going to be a fun month next month. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> What, what got us off track here? <laughs> uh, no, we're talking about well, as, as Martin Sheen and Jodie oh, Foster, Sheen, exactly. what they what they would go on to in the following years. It's like it's amazing when you think about it. Well, didn't they want to release this or whatever because do it that year or was there a was there a problem? Well, the that? thing about Jodie Foster, you need to remember, is that Jodie Foster is just coming off of doing Disney films. Well, she had like 50 to 60 productions behind her before she, she could put this on. She already worked with Martin Scorsese before this. But like the Taxi Driver is the big one, but she was in Alice Doesn't Live Here anymore. Like yeah. a couple of years before this. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah, I forgot that Alice Doesn't right. Live Here anymore. He's at 13 right. years old already working with like, a, you know, one of the greatest directors that ever lived. Well, not at that. I mean, Martin Scors Scorsese at that point wasn't, you know, the Martin Scorsese that everybody thinks of as the master filmmaker. But I mean, he was on his way there. He already mm -hmm. had Meat Streets under his belt. Um, so, yeah, she's already working with master directors at this age. Yeah. You can already see, you already see that little spark in her at that age. Yeah. She was destined for great things. She really was. And it was, uh, what? The little lesbian who could. That's right. <laughs> 14 years <laughs> later, I think she finally won an Oscar. Where did she win an Oscar for uh, Silence of the Lambs? She got something earlier. So she she won for Silence of the Lambs, and she won. For, I think the accused first. She won. She won. She's won two. She got one for the accused. Oh, she won, okay. I thought she got one younger than that, though. I think no. I think she she was nominated for Taxi Driver. But that's right. Know. Okay. That there you go. That's it. And now which, she's playing a that she's playing a thirteen year old prostitute. So which uh, yeah. is another one. If I mean, who hasn't seen it? But I guess just throw it out there. Fucking see Taxi Driver because it's yeah. one of the greatest movies ever made. It is a great um, movie. I haven't seen it in a long time though, so it's something I probably need to watch again. It's been a while for me too, but obviously it's one of the most memorable movies ever made one of the uh you know one of the greatest performances or, or a couple of great performances but you know one of the iconic robert de niro performances and robert de niro is just whoo <laughs> he just he's, he plays it good though you know he's always been like it's 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 like i've heard i've never met him in person but growing up in new york and being around a lot of actors i know a lot of people who knew him personally and he's apparently like very very shy and withdrawn when you when you talk to him in person like he doesn't like uh, uh, you know like his, perform his performances he, he brings it all out but i mean he's not as flamboyant as like pacino but well no but he did a, he does an amazing job in his prior years of acting anyway but well, i didn't know this they said that although taxi driver generated further controversy for its role in the john hinckley jr's motive to a 
attempt to assassinate Ronald Reagan? What did Taxi Driver have to do with that? Because he, because Hinckley was in love with Jodie Foster. Because that's of right. Foster. That's right. He was writing letters he, to her. That's right. He's yeah, called, yeah, he's and, and he thought that if he, yeah, yeah, if okay. he killed, if he killed the president, then Jodie would fall would in love, love with him. him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I mean, that's, I mean, that's one way to grab someone's attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Write some letters to Jodie Foster. Try to assassinate a sitting president. Yeah. Yeah, all kinds of attention. Yeah, Jody. Yeah, Jody. Fa- he had John Hinckley's love for Jody Foster to try to kill what was the Ford, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know. For this- it- I don't know. That I can't. Who was who? Who did um? Who, who did he try to kill? Which president? Oh, Reagan. 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 And then you have um Squeaky from her love for Charles Manson Ford. to um to kill Ford. That was it. <laughs> that's what. Okay. That's okay. Wait, Ford does not yeah. sound right. Yeah. yeah. Reagan and Ford. His, to profess his love to Jodie Foster. Yep, at least yeah. he's writing letters to Jodie Foster. Yeah, and and he'd been better off probably getting a sex change. He probably would have had more of her, more of her love. <laughs> you would have had a better chance. <laughs> and and you had uh, Mark David Chapman who decided to show John Lennon how much he loved him by putting putting six bullets into John Lennon that same year. Probably a good idea because he stopped making good music by that time. So. <laughs> Yeah, you might have a point. Uh, uh, no wonder you have stalkers. <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> so, David, what are your thoughts about the little girl who lives down the lane? Right, for me, it was a bit complicated. So, um, first of all, you guys gave me like a new perspective in terms of like the power of acting and the fact that she, the thing you just basically say, the fact that this is like a very powerful young actress who is very successful. I didn't even look into actors and actresses. Normally I'm more of a conceptual conceptual person. So I, I base my analysis on movies or everything I watch based on the conceptual, the message that they send to the people who are watching it. Um, the, just say this life lesson, the morals and whatever. I'm very much um, of education, an educational guy, so. Well, you're the target audience, hon. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so from my perspective was a big, um, because I'm very much of a conceptual person, this movie was very much, um, well, controversial, but very uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Obviously, oh, that theme was very uncomfortable, obviously, especially because watching something, I never watched this movie before, watching it these days and watching certain scenes was like, I can't believe they did that. Obviously, it was back in the days and it was done as, as a controversial it was thing controversial. to make people think, you know, to go beyond of the normal thinking. Obviously, you can see that from even the... Um, the other characters when they like talk about the fuck like the the, the landlady who's the girl the girl is you know kind of getting to the heat up conversation telling her well I don't know about your son you know do you want to know about your son and there were ladies like in denial completely and everybody oh everybody knows but they don't say anything they don't do anything and it's I like, guess he was the last weird. people in town wasn't he and yeah and then at some point they said in fact that I might got it wrong, but this kind of like the the landlady made him get married with a woman who already had children so they're not really his children or did I get it wrong and thinking that way it's kind of like so they're not his sons so it's already weird well, it's, it's basically to cover up his little it, the, kitty, yeah, it's it's a kind of feeling isn't it that's it's a it's a marriage of convenience yes just to make sure that he's covered up somehow he's got a family so he's not too weird it's kind of like okay we can fit this person into the normal concept of family sort of thing you know and 
it, it was very uncomfortable to watch and there was this tension about this character being obviously a pedophile and then this girl trying to survive and fight and all the killing of the girl so from my perspective maybe it's my generation maybe it's just me i'm more used to I'm going to say, unfortunately, modern cinema, where it's very clear who the villain is and who the heroes are. In this movie, you could not understand, I could not understand whether the girl was fighting for survival and killing because she needed to survive, or whether I was supposed to hate the girl because she was killing people. And, and it was weird. So obviously it was kind of like, okay, no, she's young, she's alone, she needs to survive. Okay, so she, she's, she's killed a pedophile. Like, okay. Okay, that's fine. That makes sense. That's black and white. That's clear. But then, then you see the part that she killed the mother, but she didn't know. And then the part when she killed the landlady, but there was not what kind of well, accident. Technically, there were too many the things. Door there fell out her head. Yeah, but exactly. She was, so she didn't. She was really going kill there her. though. That's he what was, I'm saying. Can you really defend her character because she was going there? Oh no, well, no, 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 no! I did not like. Well, the, the, I think another thing I think you have to kind of look at with the killing of Mrs. Hallett anyway is that if, even if, because it's an accident anyway, and no, she has nothing to do with it, she still has got to cover it up because at the same time, if she doesn't, it's, she's now, her home is now a murder scene and the police are, and there are going to be a lot of questions about where's the dad now. Right. And, uh, yeah, and it's exactly. going gonna, gonna to put her in this, this huge spotlight basically on her. Yep. And then basically she's just going to be, she's going to be shipped to a children's home probably be sexually abused by foster parents yeah. for the rest of her life. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's not, I mean, does anyone, does anyone have a good foster, you know, a foster parent story of these kids who've been fostered? I mean, I've yet to hear one. Thing, so, you know, so they don't, that doesn't look like a good yeah. pretending. And, and so, you it was know, very so much I mean, like a survival story kind of thing. And, and then well, it connected me. I don't know if you remember the movie. You remember watch Keith Angel. It reminded me of that movie. Yes, so it does kind of, doesn't it? So yeah. it's kind it of like this girl who doesn't have the father. No, was it the mother, the father who ran away in the movie? And then she had to The survive. mother ran away. The father movie. ran off first. Yeah. And in that movie, she became a prostitute because she had to survive. So you feel like, oh, that's yeah. she should be doing that. That's wrong. Every character in that movie, Angel. But, especially yeah. yeah. High school student by day, hooker by night. Yeah. <laughs> but now, again, that was another that shit now anymore. Those were great times. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Everybody's so fucking uptight now. You can't well, do well, the interesting thing about 70s movies anyway is that this is this is what quite telling up until like 1982-83 audiences were more intelligent. So basically yes. and, and I think yes. I think it also has to do like and if you look at 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s films, the thing is they expect the audience to fill in the backstory. Right. You know, nowadays the backstory is pulled out to you like in black and white. It's like it's thrown in your face, left, right. And they center. also tend to sugarcoat everything these days yeah. and very much yeah. make villains a heroes. The, the thing I'm so used to. Yeah, and there's always very... Because people yeah. make a big deal about things, whether it's kind yeah. of like, well, I'm doing a movie because I'm kind of explaining how things really are without sugarcoating them. You know, that's the reality. Well, if you think about what happened in the 80s, that was... Although they started in the 70s, the 80s was the, the rise of the mega blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. So that that's kind of, yeah. kind of, you know, on the one hand, you get movies that are great, like Back to the Future and right. stuff like that, but on the other, uh, Jurassic Park and all that stuff. But on the other end of it, you kind of start to see the, the smaller films kind of start to shrink even more because yeah. now every, the, everybody's going to see the new big blockbuster movie 
Terminator, and all that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, which again, I have nothing against. But uh, I, I think uh, I think film viewing needs to be kind of like a diet uh, when, you know, kind of like your physical diet, like you you need to get your protein in there, too. You know, <laughs> well, the well, the interesting stuff is that um, people's attention spans are a lot shorter now as well. Now, before before, like um, up in like in the 70s, um, films in the 70s, basically, is that every 25 minutes you had to make sure something happened because that the attention span of the population would die within 25 minutes. So you had to make something happen. So they keep so that way people, you know, keep them awake. Nowadays, you have to do it every 10 to 11 minutes. Oof. This is how this is how people's attention spans have died now. Um, and basically, that's the reason why now, like when you see any kind of film, you notice every 10 to 11 minutes, something happens, you know, all the time. That's and like that's Avatar, the reason that new ones, like something was um, always happening in Avatar. And you have to because people, people, people's attention spans are a lot shorter. And that has that could be because of mobiles, it could be social media, it could be um, computers, it could be a lot of different Probably things all the through. I'm yeah, going to ask a question, if I may, I'm going to ask a question on that. Do you think it's the attention span diminishing or is it the cinema going towards that direction, feeding us and dragging us towards that direction? It's kind of... I, I think I think it's people, basically, because what they found in social uh, within social settings is that converse, what they find is conversation dies. You get a group of people, conversation dies every 10, 11 minutes. Because everybody's so every, on their okay. cell phone. Well, it's not, it's not just that. What happens is that com, um, that what tends to happen in a normal setting is conversation has that bit of a slight pause, and then the conversation changes, and then it starts again, and it changes and starts again. And they find that now in a social setting. But it, but it, but we are living in a far more fast, uh, yeah. you know, diet coke era anyway, where basically it's like everything's very quick. Everything's right. very fast. We want every we want everything today. We want everything you know everything that we want. We wanted yesterday. Um, yeah. We you know we no longer want to work for. That's the reason why we're all going to death. You know if you look at you know but that that has a lot to do. I don't think it's films that have made us this way. I think it's technology and social settings that made us this way. I mean nowadays it's like you know we complain if we order from Amazon and we don't and we have to wait one day to get it. We're back in the seventies. You ordered something, and you're lucky if you got it within three to eight weeks. Yeah, <laughs> even in the nineties, I remember uh, uh, yeah. buying buying movies in the nineties, and like it would you know uh, allow four to six weeks to, uh, for delivery. Yeah. So yeah, there there were there were a lot of, but mm -hmm. one one thing going back to the uh, uh, the idea of every twenty five minutes something has to happen versus now, um, about ten years ago. No, it was 2011. Stephen Gladstone uh, and I wrote a screenplay together, uh, and it was uh, it was a ghost story. And I remember that uh, we sent it out to a lot of competitions, and we picked up a couple of wins here and there. But I remember a, a certain competition. Who had, God, their name was really ironic be, be, because of what they because of what they said to us. Um, but I remember their notes coming back to why they rejected us. And one of the problems is that we started with a murder in, you know, in the first sequence of the movie. And then we spent the next 40 pages building up, uh, building up the characters. They're like the next murder doesn't take place until page 47. And that's Slow a problem. For them. I'm like, like, well, uh, you know, well, that's, that'd be 30, that'd be 30 minutes, 40 pages around 30, 35 minutes, right? depending, yeah. on, depending on how much dialogue and action. 
so yeah, they were so they were like, yeah, no, you know, in horror movies, you need you know, you need a body every ten minutes. I'm like, Halloween. Yeah. Halloween, you have the first murder where Michael yeah, but Jackson Halloween's but Halloween's 1978. Yeah, that's I was like. I, I, God, I wish I could remember for the life of me. I cannot remember the name of this film festival, but oh, I remember but, they had a really a name that made that really ironic that they were that they were telling us that because they I were think like, things hey, are coming around though full circle though because I've noticed that it takes a little while to get your kill first kill in now in a lot of these movies. So I mean, maybe things are swinging back to have well, more substance. Possibly. Well, you can still have a lot of substance. What you have to do is you have to be a little bit more clever now. So basically what you can do, you might not need the killing sort of thing, but what you can do is you can have a twist a, a twist plot happening that's like, oh, or something like that with dialogue and stuff like that. So you can, you can hit your hit your crescendo when you need to. Right. You're just going to have to do it a little bit. You can't do it. You might not be able to do it with a kill, but you might can do it with like a little bit of a Sorry. foreshadowing or a little bit of... Yeah. Um, or or throw a cat at the, one of the actors. That always helps. <laughs> but but to, you know to show you how you know our attention spans are. I mean, how often do people text people and they get really upset when you don't text them right back? Or I, or you phone someone and they go, you know, where 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 have you been? It's like, well, I wasn't available. It's like, excuse me, but I do have a life outside. This is why you have a phone. stalker. <laughs> Some you know. There, there are certain people that, like, if I don't hear from them, like, once a day, I start to worry about them because they usually text me, like, multiple times. But th there's times when people, have, you know, like, I, I'll message somebody or I'll text somebody and I don't hear back for a couple days. And then they'll text me and be like, oh, hey, sorry, I didn't get back to you. Or sometimes even after a couple of hours, some people say, oh, hey, sorry, I didn't get back to you. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I understand you exist outside of like my world, so yeah. you might. But there are a lot. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people can't comprehend that. Yeah, it's. You know, it's they need. They need that instant gratification now, sort of thing. So it's, it's interesting. Right. So I find myself a lot of times saying, "You don't have to apologize for having a life." I totally understand. Like, you were doing something. You were mm, doing something right. that didn't involve me. It's a kind <laughs> of addiction. Addiction to social media. I've seen like a lot of uh, without. The same names or whatever. Let's just say friends, colleagues, whatever. Um, a lot of people are so much into social media. I had my face of Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. I faded away from that because it's stressful. Well, you're back no, to it now, even... babe. You're back to it now. Welcome <laughs> to the Literary License Podcast. <laughs> No, no, it, it, it becomes, you think back and I'm like, okay, that was an addiction. I started putting pictures and sentences or whatever. And I'm, and I'm like, I can't be bothered anymore. I waste so much time. And then the day goes by and it's like, okay, whatever. And then even, even messaging WhatsApp or whatever. And sometimes I'm like, I can't be bothered to respond and to stay behind the phone. Especially and if you friend somebody on Instagram immediately. So what's up in your life? It's just like, I don't know you. I've genuinely removed everything from my social media because I just, I don't want to have been involved in stuff. Like, uh, I just people don't are general. To. There's a lot of stalkers out there. But that's my choice. Anything my or choice. anyone. I know I may get a dick pic and ask me if I'm single. <laughs> 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 I know I get some of those and I'm wondering if it's me they're aiming for or you. <laughs> I turned off notifications for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Snapchat so that I'm only seeing people's comments and stuff when I physically go uh, press right. the button to go Yeah, on I've done Facebook that as well. Twitter. Yeah, I've done the same. 
because I'm like, I cannot have my phone dinging because no. this person, this person retweeted me or this person liked my post or this person right. commented on my post. I'm like, I can't. Twitter is definitely one one social media I've never got into. Thank God. Most of more difficult because you got everything there. And, you know, that's it. Everybody, everybody that's listening to this that, that knows me personally, most of the people on my phone are muted. So if you text me, I'm go, I'm not going to know until I go in and I press the text thing, because there's only a very few people who I give that kind of access to. Yeah. You know, and it's it's basically well, family, close friends, people I have to. Uh, interact with because of work or other things but besides that like like and I the other thing and again if you're one of the people who does this I'm sorry I am not going to respond to you if you just message me what's up like dude I don't let, if you have something to say say it don't bother me with nonsense <laughs> but it's kind of like you grow up and suddenly you realize wait the more I grow up the less time I have so for me it's specifically about time specifically it's about I have to choose what I want in my life, what I want to focus on, because if I have billions of social media and that and follow that and then the message, and no, I can't be bothered. I need to focus on the few things I'm interested in too, because the life is already full of stuff and I don't have time for anything. There's work. I spend more time exactly. at work to see my family, my brothers, and the little time I have left, I can't be bothered to stay on Instagram or messaging. I can't be bothered. If I want to interact with people, I'd rather do it live. Otherwise, I just don't do it. I mean, in this case, it's a bit different because we're doing something different. But you know what I mean? It's Well, I'm just saying that. I'm just saying is out of all my social media friends, they don't mean as much to me as Tom from MySpace. (laughs) (laughs) I miss Tom from MySpace. He was everyone's friend. He was so open. He didn't discriminate. He was so inclusive of everyone. But to, you know, to, to kind of back up, to, uh, David, it's kind of like that for me, because I'm like, I, you know, I work 40 hours a week. I research movies for this podcast. I, uh, you know, like the time I have, I want to spend it doing what I want. I write a lot. I, you know, I'm, I'm like the other day, like uh, right now, because, I, you know, I was just talking about this earlier. Yeah, you know, we 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 we've been nominated for the. I'm reading a book on Rondo Hatton at the same oh, time. Oh, that's that right. Watching, you were telling me about that. Because I'm like, you know what? I mean, I already knew about him, but I wanted to get more in depth because we're probably going to get nominated for another Rondo Award. I mean, usually we do. We're being nominated I, for four, four, very yeah. possibly four. Hopefully, yeah. well, so we'll so we'll see when uh, when those nominations come out. But I, I'm constantly doing stuff that I, you know, yeah. either to you know research for this podcast i'm watching movies for this podcast i'm working a full-time job um i'm working on several several scripts that i'm you know that i'm in the planning stages of uh working with film festivals i'm like i don't have a lot of time for myself and the time that i do have for myself i want to use for myself and if i can figure out a way to include you in that absolutely i will but you gotta understand, like you, you, the like David said, the very little time that, that you, as an adult that you have, you realize, well, yep. I need it for me. I need I, love, I love and cherish my five thousand plus personal friends on Facebook, and I give them all my time and energy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I keep mine private. I get some hateful shit. Man. I just, but I don't really give a fuck what people think. No, anyway. don't. Really. This is it. What you see is what the you more- get. 
I get a lot of marriage. I get a lot of marriage proposals. That's what I get. I don't know why. <laughs> I get lots of <laughs> lots why. of gay porn, and I know it can't be aimed at me. It has to be the guy. <laughs> because I mean, do I look like I need gay porn? Well, I did. <laughs> well, I did, I did. I did. I did put down on my. I did put down on my. Um, on our social media that you are a transsexual. Sorry. <laughs> Explain that. Like, I mean, people say I get shit all the time now. Are you into kinky sex? And I go, dude, do you even do you know who you're writing? Which Please. one of us are you trying so, to talk so, to? So, Vicky, what you're telling us is you're a woman on the internet. I'm a woman on the internet, apparently. Because <laughs> I, I am. I swear. As soon as somebody follows you on Instagram, so hey, what's up? Are you into kinky sex? I'm like, this is like, <laughs> almost every woman. <laughs> Almost every woman I know. It's like I have I have American soldiers who are uh, who are stationed in Syria and they don't have enough money to buy shirts. <laughs> I've noticed that. Yeah. yeah. I do know. finally get obviously the, the obviously the army doesn't pay people enough to buy them shirts. Though. I can't, but I've seen some you, pictures of the guys that are here right to you and they're pretty hot. So yeah. I can I see why they don't have a shirt. <laughs> I get a lot of friend requests from obvious bots who are not the not right. the woman in the picture. And then always when I look at the mutual friends, it's always like the same five people that apparently felt exactly. Like, oh my god, um, you're so beautiful. Like, dude, she's not real. This is <laughs> this is not a real human being you're interacting with. If you do a reverse <laughs> Google image on that uh, on that fucking profile photo you'll find out it's a model whose name is not whatever the fuck this right. yeah. <laughs> megan the robot but i get a lot of those the world of like, social media. obviously a bot like yeah. as soon as you as it's kind of sad because i love you i think of you every day and then within two within two weeks is like oh can you buy me a, can you buy me an amazon gift card <laughs> yeah or <laughs> Or, or, or they try to they try to give me their crypto pitch with it. You know, you oh my right. god! Oh, I am insanely sick about Bitcoin and crypto. Every can I, can person, I, can I, crypto, <laughs> Bitcoin, whatever. It's like fuck you, y'all. Stop freaking writing. I don't want Bitcoin or crypto. We there's always, crypto there's always some ghetto right? rat, ghetto rat opposing in front of a, 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 a Mercedes or something. Look yeah, at what I got, yeah. my Bitcoin. <laughs> well, we saw how FTX worked out with crypto. Yeah, I'm going to jump right on that train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The power of the social media. I Whenever whenever someone sends that, I go, um, can I give you my accountant's details? <laughs> and they, I never hear from them again. <laughs> Let me give you my accountant's details. <laughs> oh, so. it was one guy I used to work with, and the kid was pretty dumb uh but I, I ended up having to block him on social media and when i saw him at work he's like why'd you block me he's like because you keep I mean, this is like 10 years ago you keep sending me the same link to get my free ipads like well i keep getting hacked I'm like well stop clicking the link <laughs> like, clearly they're getting your password from you clicking that link thinking you well what if they actually are giving me a free ipad i'm like no, it's not happening. It gives you anything for free in this life. There's no such thing as free lunch. Precisely. You can't even get a free blowjob nowadays. No, shit, no. <laughs> and as a transvestite, I would know. <laughs> oh, gosh. I haven't been able to get any head in a long time. For those I know. Well, you have to be oh, careful. Exactly. Apparently, apparently, you got, apparently, um, tra you, you know, you're being, um, 
targeted. So you have to be careful, Vicky, out there. I know. Well, I know I'll probably get a host of emails now. For, for, the, for those of you studying comedy, that's what we refer to as a callback. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So back to the little girl who lives down the lane. I think what we should do. <laughs> now we talk about chicks with dick. <laughs> Basically, let's rate it. Started with you, David. How many stars would you give oh. to the little girl who lives down the lane? That's how the many, most difficult How many pedos? How oh, many gosh. pedos do you give it? <laughs> so that, that's a very difficult question because I had no idea how to... Um, what to think about this movie? There were a lot of well, things. What about did you like about it? Did you like it? I mean, did it have some high points for you that you appreciated? Um, so I did not think before actually you guys talked about this the fact that the uh, young actress was actually very good, and the fact that the landlady was a great actress that she managed to make herself hated. Um, that's actually a good point, to be honest. Um, I mostly focused on the topics and the conceptual side of the story. And because it was very confusing, very uncomfortable story, it was an interesting thriller, don't get me wrong, but maybe not Dalma Harley, if it makes sense. I would have given it two, maybe a 2.5 out of five. I did not, wasn't a big fan, but that's because probably that's not my genre, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, but then maybe I'm biased, so I shouldn't be taken into consideration. No, an honest okay. answer is a good no, answer. It's, it's, no, it's, there's no right or wrong answer. No, 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 no don't we, get me wrong. I, mean, I, I believe we may, we, may, we may never see you again after this, but no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, believe, I, I believe in a, a educated answers, because I don't have the education of cinema. I see it from a perspective of a person the who viewer, doesn't much about cinema, if that makes sense. Yeah. But from a yeah. viewer perspective, no, there's no big fun. There's no right now or wrong. Now you're going to get a bunch of raising pedophiles writing into our <laughs> inbox about how much they hate you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I miss I miss pedophiles in school. It was great. We used oh to gosh, show the pedophiles. No, don't, don't no, we, we had we no, we had a pedophile at, um, in Sackett. And he gave us a quarter every time we showed him on our underwear. So we would show him our underwear, get our quarter, and go buy candy. Man, at this point, if I'd start showing my underwear if there was a good fee in it. God, <laughs> yeah, I gotta buy eggs. <laughs> but we did his, no, name was to... Chick- his name was Chicky hi everyone this is the last episode <laughs> so Joe how many stars do you give how many pedos do you give the little girl who lives on the lane <laughs> I mean if anything if, if I could uh, if I could Tell uh, tell Davide this. What I use to what, what I the way I decide how I'm going to rate a movie is how engrossed I am by it. Like if it's oh, something okay. where, where like this movie, despite I, you know this was my second viewing of it because I had seen it last year and I just want to refresh my memory. But I watched it the other night and the entire running time I could, like even though I knew what was going to happen because I'd seen the movie one other time, I still was completely. Uh, completely immersed in what was going on and uh that's that's how i come to my my, oh, my okay, okay which is why if you know i I've, I've i've told people i give casablanca five stars i've told people i give hollywood chainsaw hookers five stars because i i right. judge a movie not by i judge a movie by what it what it's intended to be okay. um and how much how much entertainment enjoyment immersion i get from it 
in this case, I love the writing. I love the acting. Um, I love the direction. It's a beautifully shot film. So to me, this to me is a, is a five star, uh, five star movie. But like I said, there's no wrong answers to this, Mm. but I just go by how much, like I, how much enjoyment I got out of a movie. Uh, did I check my, the, the other, the other one I use is the, uh, the watch test. Do, 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 you know, I look up the runtime before I watch a movie. I'm like, oh, this, uh, well, I started the movie at 1215 and it's now 120. So how much time is left? If I'm not doing that, then you've got me. If oh, I'm not checking my phone, okay. then you've got me. Um, I mean, most of the time, uh, uh, most people, like I said, are on mute anyway. So if anybody's coming through, I can glance over like for a text. But I mean, if I'm not picking up my phone and like looking into things, mm-hmm. then you've got me. And that's 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 where I come from. And this movie completely had me entranced the entire time. And that to me, five stars, because uh, it's it's so easy to get yourself distracted. So, and, and I have so many options to distract myself. So absolutely five stars for this. I absolutely love the performances. I love the writing, which we did not uh, talk much about the writing, but this, this is such a yeah. tight screenplay. Everything, everything it sets up, it pays off. Um, and, it, it, and this is the kind of movie that I feel rewards you more if you pay, if you pay real attention. Real quick, Joe, real well, quick. Yeah, what's up? You're, you're talking about the writing. Do you think that the the writing progressed to the point where you didn't see it coming mostly, or it had you knowing it was coming? You know the I way mean, they they plotted this out. I I never actually found it. Um, I, I actually didn't. Work, I've seen this movie multiple times, but I never really work out exactly how it's going to play out. Even though there's a lot of foreshadowing and stuff like this, but you know, but it never really. It plays out, but I'm always a bit surprised by the ending still. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was surprising, the ending. Even though I knew it was going to happen. You almost knew when Martin Sheen got in there, that was going to happen at the end. You still get a sense of how is she going to get herself out of this. And in the scene where where she's with uh, Scott Jacoby and he comes in, you still have that sense of how are they going to get out of this. Right. Um, This movie, and that's another reason I love this movie, the tension. Uh, in the movie, mm-hmm. to me, is just—I uh, mean, even the tea, even the teacups, where she puts the puts the um, puts yeah, the in the in the and cup, the in, in the cup in, in, in the cup in, yeah. in the cup in front of her, and then yes, she just goes, "Oh, so why true. don't you drink your drink?" Yes. And then he goes, oh, "He goes, well, I want to drink out of your cup, then." And then she gives him the, you know, and then she How just did she know the, to do that? That is the brilliant writing part. Well, because she knew he wasn't a complete moron, too. Yeah, yeah. that's true. She was so de- decisive in everything and meticulous into what she knew. Well, I'm y'all, yeah, to be honest, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a person, you need to be one step ahead of everyone, anyway. Yeah, what yeah. a brilliant little girl. I mean, she is a little girl as far as I'm concerned at that point. So, hmm. yeah, this would have so. been yeah this was this was kind of you know a mental game of chess at the end. You know, she she knew what he was going to do. She knew well. She knew that he knew that. Right. Well, know, see, we but but we but that what's quite interesting about this the writing about this is that we get this same scene with Scott Jacoby's character. Yeah, we get coughing. Yes, we get the same character then. Yeah, and but we but you know and we and we're, we don't know if she's if she's going to poison him or not because she he got rid of the car. 
So now it's his usefulness gone to her. So we don't and know that part of it either. Happened, had he buried the bodies yet, or that's before he buried the bodies, right? I think it was before. Before, because he didn't have a cold yet. Because he got no, he, yeah, he had a cough. Yeah, he had a cough, but I don't. Yeah, he he got pneumonia from that, that was the bodies. Yeah, yeah. the bodies though. He, he he hid the car. He got rid of the car from right. the body because it was his idea to hide the body, and you have to do something with the bodies. Yeah, we didn't, uh, mention, think, the, we didn't mention the cop of the uncle. What's his name? He did the musical score, I believe. He he's another one that was really good in this. He like you 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 have Schumer some or whatever his name is. What's his name? Showman. Showman. Mort. Mort Showman, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was uh, he was a composer, and he uh made a lot. He was a lot of hit songs. So he, he, yes. He, oh my God. He, yes. He's playing the cop just dimwitted enough that you you know like like he's he's your you know like average person who's you know not a not an idiot but not like super intelligent either. Just like, oblivious of everything, basically. Oblivious, <laughs> yes. He he's yeah you know, he's 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 your average average schmo. You know that's that's yeah. that's that's what he is. Uh, doesn't read poetry, but he will. But he's still excited about getting a autographed book Copy. from a poet, even though it means nothing. Because he like, sees it, the value in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's I mean it's a celebrity, isn't it? A celebrity in yeah. town sort of thing. He might not appreciate. He might not appreciate the celebrity, but you know, but is it, from that specific else, scene. But that specific scene, I thought that she was making fun of him, like uh, fooling him about, oh yeah, this is poetry, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, okay. Like a kind of, like she could have said anything and the guy would have been like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of but like- But see, the thing is, is that, but the thing is, is she's, she's quite clever enough to know yeah. to play to his strengths. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, I don't, you know, I understand that, I don't rhyme. And she goes, yeah, I understand that. It's like, I don't like that. I like him when he's Dickinson. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, she's still being highbrow, but at the same time, she's still she's kind of taking his thing and kind of going down to him, but at the same time, not make it obvious. Right. Which, that is, really yeah. which is a, a a a you know a characteristic of having a lot of charisma is being able you know you you might be at this level of intelligence, and the person you're speaking to is this level, but you are able to find common ground with somebody right. at that level so that you can come off more personable, which she does very well. Mm -hmm. uh which god you know there's so many layers to this performance that the more i talk about it the more yeah. i like it yeah um this is i, I gotta pick up the blu-ray to this because I, I think kino uh kino lorber i think put it out i gotta i gotta grab that one eventually um but if you're uh if you're in the united states it's on shutter i absolutely recommend seeing it uh you could watch it with uh joe bob briggs uh uh commentary throughout His commentary, well, commentary is great he cuts in and out like a horror host does. So you have that aspect of it. And he will, he will absolutely educate you on the history of this film, the history of Alexis Smith, of Jodie Foster, of Mort Shulman, of Martin Sheen. Um, oh yeah, He's, it was full of information on this. I love Joe Bob Briggs though. Can't yeah, go wrong because he's always got a cornucopia of factoids about every movie that he's covering. Yeah. So. And, he's, and, he, and he presents everything in an entertaining way, which again, Joe Bob's knowledge is up here on, you know, these kinds of movies. And again, it's the charisma. He's able to, you know, come down and talk to, you know, those of us who don't know as much as him. 
And I don't think if I lived three lifetimes, I'd ever know as much. No kidding. Oh my God. The guy was, the the guy must've been researching cinema, like in his, in his teens, like, uh, and we're talking, you know, just, yeah, I'm absolutely gushing about this movie and about Joe Bob, but if you have, if you're in the United States and I think Canada, it's on shutter, absolutely check this movie out. I adore this movie. And how many pedos do you give it, Vic? I give it five dead pedos for all the reasons Joe <laughs> just discussed, and I, I I totally back him up on everything. It's if you're, I don't even know if it was really. I guess it's a horror genre, but it seems more suspenseful, more I don't know. It's not typical slasher flick. It's <laughs> it's a killer kid flick, kind of sort of. But I mean, it, there's nothing about it I can't say I don't like, except that Martin Sheen is a creepy pedophile and he gave me TV. <laughs> But even and, that, that's... and the hamster. I, I don't care if it was a frozen hamster. Oh, gosh, yeah. It just always freaks me out when there's animal violence. You can kill yeah, everybody until yeah. the cows come home if you're a human being. But if it's an animal or a small child, I lose my shit. Don't yeah. Don't but... It's like, no, not the hamster. Poor Gordon. Thank but God the real the Gordon was alive, but. That's the reaction you're supposed to have. So even there, it succeeds in this. In well, yeah, you, I know, but it makes it crazy. You know, making this character come out completely revi- revolting and you're completely reviled. Yeah, he was. That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, who in their right mind would, I mean, maybe Keith, I don't know, put a cigarette out in somebody's pet hamster's eye, you know? I mean, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it was, it. I mean, again, I mean, this was quite interesting. She, you know, it's the only thing that she loves in the world. Was her yeah. as her hamster, but then she didn't really realize that she was lonely until she met Mario, and then she realized, "Wow, I am lonely." So there was I, I got to stop talking because I'm going to keep thinking of new well, things. There's, so. Well, there's the old <laughs> adage: it's lonely at the top, and when you're, you know, when you're that, you know, that intelligent, that uh, that well read, there's really nobody else on your level. So again, you kind of, you know, how how do you like? How do you, you For know, that how you, age? I mean, I she's know. not even hit puberty barely, you know. She's very, yeah, she like she's a very advanced 13 at this point, which I'm sure Jodie Foster was too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't yeah. even look at any other girls for this part. He saw her, he wanted her. Bottom yeah, line. he's, yeah, Mar- uh, apparently Martin Scorsese showed him Alice doesn't live here anymore, and he went, That's the girl right there, that's who I need. The wig, though, I wish they would have done a better wig. That wig made me flipping nuts. I will say that. I should have took back a pedo just for the wig, but I love the movie so much. I <laughs> well, apparently, the, the the wig and the chip tooth was um, Jodie Foster's mother's idea. Really? And the director and the director went away away because they so that 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 so therefore what you're seeing is basically is what she's projecting that though the real her is buried behind all that. Right. So you're never, so you never, because Jodie Foster's mom said that with, uh, with that character, she thought that Jodie Foster, the character is hiding behind this facade, right. but you, but in the movie, you never find out who the real Rain is at all. Right. Well, like we said, man, layer upon layer in the performance. I know. If we keep talking about it. <laughs> We'll be talking about it till like for another two hours because it just keeps making me think of me shit. I'm going to give it a five star rating only because I've seen this movie. This was a staple of mine growing up because it was so much about my life. No, it I'm was kidding. a made for TV <laughs> movie. That's scary though. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, rem I remember when it first came on TV. I think it was TBS or one of those stations Possibly, when it first yeah. came on. And I remember watching it with um, my mom and stuff like that. And so I really enjoyed it. I remember when it came on HBO. HBO was in its infancy when it came on. It was between that and Mandingo. And my father oh my god, don't even get me going about me and Dingo. And my my father let me watch the little girl lives down the lane and I wasn't allowed to watch Mandingo. That's probably a good thing. But um and then um and then when I got older, it's like I remember having I had the VHS of this, and then um I do have the DVD of this. I need to get the Blu-ray of this. And I, and to be honest, um this time I did watch an Amazon Prime. And that's what they say that every time I watch it, I just get drawn into it. And I really do like, I love the performances. I like the way it's written. I like the little nuances that happened. And I, and I like, I'm a huge fan of 70s filmmaking anyway. I just find it a great year. And, and I like the end. about it, just different. And, well, the ending of it, but the ending of it is like, it's not a good, happy ending either. It's no. a very, it's an ending that you're not quite the sure. The ending though, three yeah. minutes of her watching. Martin Sheen die, you know. Yeah. That's all but, that is is three minutes of her watching that man die. But but, it, but it's not even but it's not even an ending because thing is like where does she go from here? No, it's kind of so, so yes. you're kind of left up in the air the whole time because it's like, well now mother and son are missing. What happens now? Where is the police going to be coming by? Are people going to be questioning her? Is she out of the world? You'd be yeah, left alone to just solve her problem. And that's how the like, makes you question. That makes you question kind of the condition of this. This girl, she's kind of very smart. She can manage to survive. But now you're getting to, into a challenging position where this guy's dead as well. And we'll never she really healed it. And then what's going to happen? Well, that's the end of the story. And it makes Well, I would like to think she got away with it because they were useless, horrible, heinous human beings anyway. It's so possible. Just, yeah, of course. Well, nobody really just, likes them. Yeah, No one likes them, but they do have money. But the thing is, it's, it depends, I guess, at the end of the chain. You know, would the wife be looking for Martin Sheen's character? But then again, would the wife want to be looking at where he might be, you know, might be sexually molesting the little girl who lives down the lane? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's also the line in there where Mar uh, Martin Sheen's character says, did my mother possibly run off with, uh, with the gentleman of the house, which wouldn't be the first time. Right. Yeah. So there, there's that. As she could be like, I, I guess... My well, my father's not around. I guess my father and uh, Mrs. Shallot just kind of ran off together. She could absolutely spin that, but then how do you how do you account for her son not being there? Mm. Yeah. So, but I I like I like those ambiguous endings though. I love yeah. an amb ambiguous ending where you can just you know let your mind wander. And I, and you and the thing is after this movie, every time this movie finishes. I'm I'm very I feel unsettled, even though I've seen so many things a lot worse. Well, it's not really does it doesn't really not like that. Sense. It's not really satisfying to some extent. I like a film that treats me like I'm an intelligent being, and that's what this film does. Yes, it does. So. You know, I didn't really put it together, but the ending, uh, like you said, where it kind of leaves a question of where do we go from here, kind of reminds me of the uh, the ending to uh, Mike Nichols' The Graduate. Hmm. where you know dustin hoffman get gets to the church gets uh uh get gets the girl they're riding on the back of the bus and the camera's just fixated on them as they just kind of like in real life i think they were waiting for for mike nichols to yell cuts they were kind of looking uncomfortable but at the same time it's 
movies tend to end with this happily ever after thing, but what happens now? What happens right. next to this character? Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, this movie came out in 1976, so we don't have a fucking series of movies that are declining <laughs> in quality. To, true, to true. Milk in a franchise, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I quite like that. I, yeah. I do. I do like that we, you know, we 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 can have this discussion because uh, they they didn't. Um, uh, God was uh, uh, look look what happened to Rosemary's baby. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't, yeah. We didn't get that thing. We didn't get the equivalent of that. Thankfully. Oh, uh, uh, that was pretty hideous as well. It was. <laughs> Still is. <Now> mo- <laughs> <laughs> I watched it last year. I'm like shit, this was not not a good movie. Yeah. Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level? Or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos, brochures, or whatever you can dream of. Amazing Designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise. Try Amazing Designs today. Contact them via email at amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. That's amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at country code one 805 We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. But I'd rather be different than be the same. Now moving on to our next girl, which is Alice Sweet Alice, or originally titled Communion, which is a 1976 American psychological slasher film co-written and directed by Alfred Soule. And starring Linda Miller. Interesting enough, Linda Miller is Jason Patrick's mother. Um, and Paula Shepard and Brooke Shields in her film debut. Set in 1961, New Jersey, the film focuses on a troubled adolescent girl who becomes a suspect in the brutal murder of her younger sister at her first communion, as well as a series of unsolved stabbings that follow. Inspired by Nicholas Rogue's Don't Look Now from 1973 and the films of Alfred Hitchcock, Writer-director Stoll devised the screenplay with Rosemary Rizzo, an English professor who was his neighbor. At the time, Stoll has been working as an architect, restoring historical buildings in his hometown of Patterson, New Jersey, and several properties he had worked on while used as shooting locations. Filming took place throughout the summer of 1975 in Patterson and Newark. The film premiered at the Chicago International Film Festival, where its original title, Communion, in November 1976, and was released under the title in London in September 1977. After being acquired by Allied Artists, it was retitled Thomas Sweet Alice and released in the United States on November 18, 1977. Another theatrical re-release occurred in 1981 under the title Holy Terror, which marked the popularity of Shields after a performance in Lou Mall's Pretty Baby from 1978. While not prosecuted for obscenity, the film was seized and confiscated in the UK under Section 3 of the Obscene Publications Act, of 1959 during the video Nasty Panic and was controversial in Ireland due to the apparent anti-Catholic theme. In the years since its release, Alice Sweet Alice has gained a cult following as considered a contemporary classic of the slasher subgenre in critical circles. It has also been the focus of scholarship in the area of horror film studies, particularly regarding in its depiction of Roman Catholicism, child emotional neglect, 
and its disintegration of the American nuclear family. What we're going to do is talk to the trailer of Alice Sweet Alice. We'll be right back. Brooke Shields. In holy terror. Alice was too old to play with dolls and too young to make love. Brooke Shields, as you've never seen her before. She was too beautiful to play with boys and too young to play with men. So Alice began to play with death. She's made repeated requests that the kids see a psychiatrist. She has a knack of making things look like accidents. dolls no more toys alice only plays with bodies it's too late to save her Unnatural love and unnatural death. Brooke Shields in holy terror. It's too late for prayers. Hello, welcome back to Leisure License Podcast. We're discussing Alice Street Alice from 1976. And David, what are your thoughts of Alice Sweet Alice, considering that you're so much in love with Catholicism? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was raised Catholic, and then I kind of like decided to step back from Catholicism and kind of find my way in life. But that's completely different. Same here. <laughs> I have signs all over the place, darling, let me tell you. <laughs> Okay, let's just focus on the movie. Um, that's another um, complicated movie. Okay, there was another uncomfortable topic because th- there was a little bit of the pedophilia um, just sided, basically. Uh, well, yeah, the, the pedophilia is a lot less... Um, but it was suggested. Weaker. It was suggested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there, but it's not it as is. overt as in... Exactly. Well, who um, was that guy? That big, fat pervert guy. Oh, my yes. God. Yeah, that was very uncomfortable to watch. Oh, my gosh. No, Again, uh, these days, they wouldn't be able to make stuff like that in the movie. I don't think so. No. Watching was very uncomfortable. But I think there was much more focused on, obviously, on the killing, the mysterious right. thrilling of the killing. And then, obviously, I could see a lot of um, Catholicism, symbology, and the kind oh, gosh, of, yes. like idea of the fact that oh you know that, that i think that, that's kind of like one of the thing that i we're getting to like too too much religious topics i think this is a bit, of a, a bit of a hot topic but um without getting into much into it um it was pretty much the, i think that the, the thing that came out in the movie uh the message or the, the critics was the kind of like oh yeah you so you commit commit sin and then well you go to the priest then can be forgiven it's all good and it's kind of like well that's go back out and sin again yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. then you sin again and then you know i think um if uh, i remember that's god's, well, Chris, that's god's gift to the christian god gave us pork and absolute love <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember if, that if it wasn't for christ you wouldn't have bacon today just remember that <laughs> I'm vegetarian, by the way. 
<laughs> the great uh the, the great simpsons uh bit where uh, a, a pastor asks bart what he's going to do about the afterlife and bart bart responds basically a life of sin and uh presto changeo deathbed conversion going to heaven <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, re I remember back in my um italian literature studies um i, I, I had very very faded memories but i remember that I, rem I don't remember if i don't make any mistakes in remembering i don't tell you that the, the famous poet and writer dante Ligieri uh, wrote about the fact that certain people were just like forgiven um by the priest like you know you go to the priest and then you get you're forgiven and everything is fine and then you kind of put that <laughs> in, <laughs> in it's like um divina commedia because it's kind of like well you know, the priest comes to you, you're all forgiven. It's like, well, that's bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you're nobody unless you've been molested by one. Let's put it that way. Well, did you find it rather offensive? I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school for nine, 10 years and all the whole nine yards that they held it against Alice because her she was born out of wedlock. So she could yeah. not have communion, which yeah. is really an antagonistic part to the whole it's, movie, this is where yeah. it's shit gets started. I, I mean, I mean, look at the Virgin Mary. She had a baby out of wedlock. I mean, the, also, I, I thought Vatican II kind of, oh, wait, no, this is set in 1961. Never mind. That's right, Vatican II. Never mind, it's pre-Vatican II, yes. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind the point <laughs> I was about to make. <laughs> no, but um, yes, I can see that. It's kind of like, okay, they hold it against the little girl, and she's got nothing to do with it because it's even if you talk about sinning, it's the mother who sinned. If you really look from a like a Catholic perspective on that, yeah, but yeah, the girl's got no, nothing to do with it. But you also have to, to remember that when you come when it comes to a congregation and to a neighborhood or into um, a community, the children have to pay for their parents' sin anyway. That's right. unfair. I mean, like for me, where I went to school, for instance, is um. I went, my parents went to the same school I ended up going to. And so if the parents, if the teachers hated my parents, they hated me. If they loved my parents, they loved me. So you kind of, and, so but, it, it so happened, but it happens like that, like small towns and communities and, you know, so that, or, you know, if something happens, you have an older brother who might, might be a bit of a piss taker in school, then you kind of have to face the brunt of your older brother's actions. Yeah. I mean, in, 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 in a way, it kind of happens with nepotism uh, because we, you know, um, if you're someone whose parents were well-to-do and able to, able to open doors for you, you get more opportunities than someone who grew up in a, in a more poor or meager background. So it, it, it figures in in a lot of ways throughout your life, um, uh, the, the idea that, you know, you're paying for your parents' sins. I mean, think this movie was really full of moral and physical decay, kind of. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, but the, but, the, but, but, it, but with religion, though, I mean, religion does have a moralistic decay about it anyway. For the right. simple fact is that, well, the, the simple fact is that basically you have these people who overlook a congregation who dictates people's what is good and what is bad about people's mm -hmm. behavior. Yeah. More often than not, the people who are dictating this are basically it's about do as they say, but don't do as exactly. I do. And, you know, and to be honest, I mean, when you look at, you know, priests and nuns, really, um, and there are good ones out there. Don't get me wrong. There but, are, if you, there are. But, but a lot of um, I remember one time that uh, living in Hampstead and I overlooked the ponds and 
the guy downstairs rented his, he was going away for two months. So he rented it off to these four or five guys who basically were studying to be priests. And they were campus Christmas, but, um, and, you know, and basically when asked, when they came up and spent New Year's Eve with us, I flattenly asked them out loud, why are you becoming a priest? I go, and they, and they said, I thought they, because they were not comfortable with their sexuality. So it was a way for them to come to terms of this. So they, they, that's the reason why they, had, they went into the priesthood. But if you look at some, a lot of people go into the priesthood or none, they're normally running away from something and thinking this is going to be the answer, but never actually dealing with it. And then you have, you know, if you look at Catholicism anyway, you know, how in the hell can they do marriage counseling when they've never been married? I mean, okay, I mean, okay, let's say, okay, you're a nun and let's say you're married to Jesus. Well, every, if that's the case, I mean, every marriage is going to fail next to that, isn't it? This nun is married to Jesus. I mean, they're like some perfect human being that got quiet, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, what what, what marriage about, is going to to that? Well, everything is so ritualistic. I mean, you get the Catholic Church, and I don't know if I'm going to be revealing too much here by accident. Mm. But you get, but there is nothing more pagan than Catholicism. Oh my gosh, yes, I agree. We did start it in high, um, when I went when I went to high school, and we did all the origins of Christianity yeah. and how much of the you know the old pagan symbols have been actually added well the blood the communion yeah. part yeah. got the robes the candles all the I symbols mean, are basically have rooted in, in paganism it's kind it of like the way to tell it was pretty much the way to tell the old people well you can keep your pagan traditions but we're just going to sugarcoat it with jesus guys and christianity yeah. whatever so they're going to continue all the festivities whatever well, like the but, christmas tree or whatever you know, getting the, well, the yeah, Easter but, eggs but, and but, 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 but people know. love but people love um, the public love pageantry. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. pageantry. Whether whether you're, I mean, and to be honest, every religion has it around the world. Everywhere there's a, yeah, bit a of pageantry bit, yeah. and stuff like it's all, this. It's it's all politics of the religion, basically. Right. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you know, the fastest way to sit up in the front pews of a Catholic religion or any religion is by making sure that you give. The most money you get, the further up the further up the pews you go. Yeah, they used religion. to make me sit in the front just because I used to fuck off so bad in church, <laughs> and they used to want to keep an eye on me because they used to force <laughs> us to go every Friday. So yeah, but I, I didn't have. There's that. When I went to Catholic school, I was only there for two months, so I didn't have to do that because I'm not Catholic. So, you know, I was a heretic. So. That's oh right. They I, I didn't do. I didn't have to do religious lessons, but. I was like kicked Vicky, out after two months, though. Like Vicky, I went to Catholic uh, Catholic grammar school, Catholic uh, middle school, Catholic high school. Um, I lasted kicked- one year in Catholic high school. I was going to quit if my mother didn't get me out of there. Sorry. I- I got kicked out of uh, I got kicked out of a Catholic middle school. I got kicked out in seventh grade and ended up going to a public school. And my parents have, uh, sent me to a Catholic high school after that. And then after that, they sent me to a fucking Catholic college until, and I got kicked out in a year. So, <laughs> oh, wow. But but yeah, I was raised, I was well, raised by I guess, nuns. I guess you're so. a lost cause. And you can see the good upstanding Catholic that I am today wearing a, uh, wearing, wearing a shirt. With yeah, I like that shirt. Yeah, the bat- <laughs> wearing wearing Baphomet on my on my chest. And um, the power of Christ compel you. <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, the, the good thing about not being Catholic is that we don't we don't get demons entering our bodies, so that's good. That only happens to Catholics. Well, that's the most interesting. <laughs> part. I'm joking. 
amazing how that works out, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You never, uh, you, yeah. You, you never, you never see a Southern Baptist uh, minister coming out to the exercise anyone, do you? <laughs> no, but they got that speaking in tongues shit, which is equally scary. If you've ever been to uh, Pentecostal church, that is some great. I know it's <laughs> disgusting because when they speak in tongue, they spit when they're talking. It's horrible. You <laughs> <laughs> just like people spitting on the back of your neck. <laughs> oh man! But as far as the, the the villain, you don't really know who the villain is in this because you've got that halfway uh, uh, clear mask. She's got the yeah. saddle shoes on. She's got the raincoat. And I had no idea that Paula uh, was like nine. Shepherd was like nine. Yeah. 19 when this movie was made. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, they had the school girl uniforms down to a science. And, you know, we had a brief there, like Brick Shields was the killed other little girl that, you know, you almost think Alice is doing it through this whole movie, though, because everything points to her sister, you know, troubled young girl, whatever, the doll and stuff, you know, and everything she wanted that belonged to her sister. Her sister's getting communion because she was born in wedlock. I'm sorry, that that was some bullshit right there. That 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 immediately pissed me off watching this mm-hmm. movie. Well, the experience. There is there is a sense in this. It does, you know, Keith, Keith uh, said during the uh, during the that it, it, it was I I didn't like I put it together watching it that it, that there were a lot of shots that looked like don't look now by by Nicholas Roeg, but I didn't right. realize that this was actually specifically meant to be that way. I was like, but this movie felt like a Jalo. It was, uh, yeah, it was very voyeuristic because you're watching hmm. everything from, a, like, you're watching some yeah. of the skills from a distance. You, you would, you know, not, if it wasn't for the fact that it was set in a, an obviously very American, uh, <clears throat> you, if you were to put this in Rome, it would be something that, you know, Dario Argento or Sergio Martino or oh, yeah. Mario Bava, one of those guys would be. The third mother. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, the third mother was not a good mother. Well, you... <laughs> the movie also reminded me of Black Xmas and the way it was filmed and and you it's know and of... just all of the films of the genre of that day were gritty and I have to sit there and say that I love the way the style of the film, the way everyone looked. I mean, it, it, it kind of, it kind of, but it had that kind of like documentary feel about it at the same time, yeah. the way that they're acting. And that, I mean, that's a hard thing to pull off and, and keep with it and make it realistic. Right. And I knew and, a lot of mothers growing up in, you know, growing up in a very Catholic area of Brooklyn. I knew a lot of mothers who, if their child was accused of murder, would be like, no, not my baby. All the yeah. evidence points to your child. Doesn't matter. My baby wouldn't do it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, they found him with the knife in his hand. Uh, not, nope. Not my child. <laughs> they mm. saw him stab the kid. Cannot possibly be. Do my you kid. think that the priest in this movie was very naive? I mean, don't you have to be kind of naive? I, this is going to sound so terrible. Don't you kind of have to be a little naive to be a priest in the first place? Possibly. Yeah. Oh, you mean like an innocent sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, well. unless. It's, Unless it's I mean, somebody who is actively trying to get away from something, you know. Uh, well, don't you think he might not have noticed that the that his helpful that the lady who helped take care of him might have been a little off the mark? Well, I mean, the thing this, is, well, I mean, because, I mean, basically, the priest is like leading this congregation. First of all, first of all, what gave? I mean, how does he get to lead this congregation? You know, this is, I mean, the thing is, you got to look beyond what what you see the priest doing in the movie. But if this is a real priest in the congregation. I mean, he's advising people how to live their lives. He's advising people about their marriages. He's advising people uh, 
they're sinning. He's advising people on the way that they should run in their personal lives. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, and what, would he, what would he know? I mean, well, really, what would he know really yeah. about any of these things? I mean, it's like, you know, that's why I always found it weird, like, with in the Catholic, Catholic religion, it's like, you know, oh, we're having difficulties with our marriage, the priest is going to help us. Well, how can a priest help you with your marriage if they've never been married? Yeah, exactly. What would they know about personal relationships outside of psychology and they had degrees? I'm sorry, but but you you still can't know about the inner workings of any marriage, really, unless you've been in a relationship at one point or another. I agree. I'm just trying to rationalize. That's the thing. You might be married to you might be married to Jesus, but Jesus isn't coming home tonight. You know, after having a bad day at work, being yelled at by his boss, hitting the bar, reeking of whiskey and smacking you around. Right. You're never going to be able to connect to people on that level. I mean, I can understand why people marry convicts while they're in jail because at least you know they're where they are at night. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you see them at their best behavior. You go through your separate homes; they're locked up and blah blah. Well, fantastic. Well, you know, we've had a successful marriage, but it's not a real marriage. Almost seemed like a precursor to what was coming to follow, like the cartoonish way of the murder with the mask and everything, like in the mm-hmm. 1980s. Because then you get all this crazy coming down the pike in the 1980s with the masks. And well, this is you know, this is the proto slasher, but definitely. That's what I'm saying. It has to be. Mm-hmm. You know, this is uh, two years before Halloween, but it follows, you know, and like, like I said, it feels like, you know, it feels like a giallo. It feels like something you'd get out of Italy in 1974, you know? It, feels it like looks so- exactly like a giallo. Yeah. Well, did you, notice all, did you notice all the psycho posters in the, in yeah. the background? Yes, yes. I, I noticed it at the train station and I was like, did they actually happen to have screenings of psycho taking place as like a revival or were those put there by the director it's a good question i i don't know but the, yeah you, you talk about a proto slasher you know if you're if you're really looking at the you know the the roots of the horror film it's alfred hitchcock michael powell and mario bob they are the ones who created mm. uh the slasher movie uh in in multiple ways because of uh, uh psycho blood and black lace and um uh peeping tom so the, if you're if you're going to do something like this, yeah, Hitchcock is the guy who I think be, just because that movie happened to be first, but I think him and Michael Powell were shooting. Uh, would ultimately mm-hmm. Michael Powell's career got ruined because of people right. come didn't it? So yeah, and that film they kind of tried to bury that until Martin Scorsese said it was one of his favorites and brought it back out. So. And it is a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. That's another Very one good. on the recommendation list because probably everybody's seen Psycho. Definitely see Psycho. But also see Blood and Black Lace and um, uh, Peeping Tom. Tom. How do I keep missing the name when we're talking about it? <laughs> Definitely mm-hmm. see them. They are. They Doesn't are the say anything that... about those posters. That's going to make me nuts now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that was if that was intentional or not. But you could definitely see the aspects of uh, of Psycho mm-hmm. in here, where you're thinking the murderer is one person, and it turns out to be another. I did not see that coming. I don't know about you guys. I really thought it was Alice most of the time. I, I then it didn't add up. My favorite, my favorite almost murder was when she was like trying to cut while well, he or she was stabbing that that pesky aunt on the stairway. Yeah. Oh, yes, like, man, somebody, boy, <laughs> someone should have just no less. She I would have gotten a couple extra shots in there before I let that <laughs> one go. Now, another thing I thought this film was very interesting is doing is revealing the killer in the middle of the movie. 
Yeah, because that was then, interesting. Was it in the middle of the movie? Though? Yeah, when 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 when, 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 he's kill, when they're killing on um, the father, takes out from okay. the okay. I would have waited until the end. He pushes him out the the warehouse window or whatever that is. Yeah, mm. I would have so preferred it, it, the reveal at the end. I mean, there's there's a case to be made for both. Like I can right. definitely see the reveal at the end, but uh, by doing it where they by placing it where they did, you're now able to delve into why she's doing it a little bit better. Well, she's got a thing for the the, the priest, right? She's protective over him, I guess. Is that maybe what it is? Obsessive, compulsive. I mean, poor bastard. She does stab him in the neck at the end. Of the <laughs> yeah. But that, don't you? Don't you kind of feel like the? Um, they say I'm going to say something very controversial. Well, pl please stick it with the priest. Oh, so please don't be controversial. We don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> so, don't, don't don't you feel like that the idea of the movie was pushing kind of like okay, so the woman who was the killer was kind of victim herself of a system that was kind of yes, corrupt. Was kind of like absolutely. well, did the Catholicism tell you to forgive? So I will be forgiven if I kill. But you know that bitch managed to actually get the communion anyway, even though her. So it's kind of like you know she's herself although she's right. the killer and we're no justifying but I kind of understand the reason behind it and why because she's kind of in that system so she's like well then I should be allowed to take she's the community then I'm, the I've got the church. right to kill her because she's a sinner you know so it makes you makes you makes you question not only the killer makes you question but why did she target you gotta wonder I still don't understand why she targeted Brooke Shields character in the beginning because she was um the other one was the little sinner. Uh, well, because she she's still married. She well, she was born into a family where they had a child out of wedlock. And right. She's, she's receiving communion. The priest gave her the uh, the the crucifix. Yeah, crucifix. And, oh, was so the crucifix this. set her off? That's right. Okay. She pulled it off. She yanked it right off her before she set the corpse on fire. As it kind of like you don't deserve this. Yeah. And you don't deserve that it because of who your parents are. Yeah, Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, everybody, there's first communion going on. It's supposed to be a happy occasion. Everybody's got their rosaries and their little white dresses and whatnot. And he's he's freaking the, <laughs> the, the the murderers fricasseeing Brooke Shields in a in the the office. You know, well, Miss, I mean, Mrs. Tredoni, I mean, the only reason why she ends up killing the priest is because he refuses their communion after she yeah. thinks she's doing the work of God. In her mind, oh, she's thinking she's right. doing the work. She's that's doing the work right. of God, and that's why she kills the priest. This because she, because in her mind, really <laughs> but in her in her mind, this is how she thinks that she's but doing the, the work of God. And right. these are the best okay. villains. You know, it goes back. It's, uh, you it's know, just, Vin, Vin, Vincent Price said that you know the, the best villains he ever played were the ones who, you know, in their minds were completely justified in what they were doing. Because they thought they were right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you. I'm not going to go a little bit mainstream. I'm sorry if I do. But um, have you ever watched? Uh, it, it's a it's a series, and I like it. It's American Horror Story Asylum. Oh gosh, yes. It's yeah. my favorite season of American Horror Story, and the main character, Sister Jude, kind of reminds me of that because she's kind of like again the runaway, becoming a nun because she's killed. She thinks she killed a girl, and suddenly she's doing the work of God to punish these people by the same time right, to adjust right. them by, by the power of God. It's kind of I can see kind of the she has she lives with the guilt. And then that's a punishment to be a nun. So she can't do, you know, singing and alcohol. And she was terrible back in the day. But she's kind of like, now that's my call. She thinks that's her call, you know, because um, of um, trying to, you know, protect the people in the asylum and punish them and just show them the right way to leave. And, and there's a kind of like, I can see like a sort of, 
maybe I was stretch. I'm, 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 I'm stretching a little bit this, but kind of like the comparison with this movie when the kind of the girl is taken to the, um, you know, sort of asylum to to be cured because she might have killed the sister, you know, and then it kind of feels like the same way in American Horror Stories, and where the kind of like there are a lot of people who are innocent but they are taken there. I don't know. Just a comparison might not be. I could definitely see. That. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, you know, it just a, a friend of mine, Maria Olson, was on that season of American Horror Story, and I remember her uh, asking me to 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 write something for her to play as a lead. And I don't know; I've never seen any American Horror Story. I uh, though I keep saying I want to. Um, I remember her asking me, and I did I did the research, but never got around to writing it. Uh, a screenplay for her where she where she would be playing a woman named Amelia Dyer who in the 1800s was known as the angel maker. She ran an orphanage and what she would do is uh, the, uh, the children of the poor families, she would slowly poison and oh, dispose of the bodies and the families, you know, the children of the, 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 the more well-off families who kept paying, they would, you know, she would take better care of them because that, that was the income to keep, and I, I wonder now, and she also felt uh, the way she she had her young daughter helping her out. And the way she told her daughter is that we're doing God's work because God needs these little angels uh, up there with him because they'll have better lives up there with him. And I'm wondering now, now that now that you're, you're talking about American Horror Story Asylum, if that's the reason there, she wanted there to do was it. Something sim- there was something similar in the, I don't want to do any spoiler, but I'm the spoiler alert. There we go. Uh, where there was the in the story, there was this horrible Nazi scientist experimenting on some of the, the people in the asylum, and suddenly the people disappeared. You know, and mm-hmm. you don't know what they are. And then there's a kind of contrast of the man of science who's actually crazy and a Nazi and a horrible person. Right. And in contrast, you have Sister Jude who's trying to figure out who, why the bodies are disappearing, why the people are disappearing, and she hates the Nazi. And then there's a whole fight between the two. Let's not get too much into detail because this is spoiler. But I don't know, just something interesting. Hey, Joe, I, 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 think I, got an I love I love that season. That's my favorite American horror story. I love, I love 100%. American horror story no matter what. Rowan now kind of sucked balls, I thought. But other than that, I loved every <laughs> season it had. Joe, I think I found an answer for that Psycho poster. Oh, it did said, you? It said that uh, there were multiple references. A Psycho poster can be seen in the background in one scene. Aunt Annie's stabbing on the staircase is designed to resemble the shower murder. And the music imitates Bernard Herman's score in some moments. And there's also a Psycho poster at the railway station. So maybe, I mean, yeah, there's it was on purpose. References. There's obvious references to Psycho, but I, I just I just wasn't sure if it just happened uh, that the poster was there, or if that or if the poster being there was intentional. Maybe it was. Maybe they just he had Apparently a poster it and just taped it up people. there, and then yeah. as soon as they shooting was done, they took it down. Good catch, though, because I totally forgot about that. Interestingly enough, though, that Brooke Shields' acting has pretty much stayed the same her whole career. I She's guess I'm not mean. that familiar with Brooke Shields' acting, so. She, well, she acts the same in, um, in Blue Lagoon and Endless Love, same acting. Gosh, she was just a kid, though. I mean, you know. She she did the um in the the middle the TV series The Middle. She played the yeah. She never was a good actress. She never developed into anything, did she? Poor thing. What was what was the thing that was so controversial? What what were the jeans? What jeans did she wear in the eighties? Everybody's freaking out about. Yes. 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 Was it yes? Yeah, I think oh, she was she yes. The topless photo shoots, but she had her back to us, though. So I don't understand why that was controversial. 
because she was 15. I tell you, I tell you what was con- I tell you what was controversial is that when Culture Club came out with their first album, huh. um, and um, everyone thought that was Brooke Shields on the cover, but it was actually Boy George. <laughs> it couldn't she couldn't have been 15 in the 80s because she was 12 when she made this. So in the 80s, she must have been an adult by then. She was 16 in the Blue Lagoon. That came out in 1980, I believe. Yeah. 15 or 16. When did the guest uh, stuff happen? Those were in the early 70s, like mid to late, late 70s. 70s. Late 70s, early oh, okay. 80s. All right. So maybe I'm, all right. So I got my timeline off. I did too. But yeah, because it, it was a big deal. Does She had the white blousey shirt on that, but you could, and her legs were all like this sometimes. I mean, clearly her mother didn't care if they placed her in provocative poses. I mean, I, I was just, I was just gonna say, you're gonna complain about her, her guest jean spots when she was fully nude at the age of twelve in Louis Malle's Pretty Baby. That's right. That's right. Full frontal at twelve years old. So, compared to that, the guest, uh, the guest jean stuff was not, you know, not a big deal. Right. Um, but yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. Uh, for some reason, I always get her confused with Jennifer Connelly. I, maybe it's because they kind of look alike. No, uh, they both had bushy eyebrows. The, yeah, that too. Hey, those eyebrows! Everybody wanted her eyebrows back in the day. And they, and they were, they were, uh, they were both, uh, they were both nude in uh, in movies uh, when they were underage. Because although uh, Jennifer Connelly, it's it's only it's only the back she gets. Uh, She's naked in um, uh, Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America. She was only, I think, 14 at the time. How uh, old was Brick? She was 12 and pretty. Yeah, she, she was 12. She was 12 when she made Pretty Baby. Or, or was, was it when she made it or was it when it was released? Why did they have well, It was made that? in 78. Well, in, in, in the case of both those movies, they were both uh, Once Upon a Time in America was. Uh, uh, was Italian produced? Right. Pretty Baby was French produced, I think. So that's well. I no, and I, I mean another thing is that when this stuff is happening, whether it's Jodie Foster and you know Little Girl Lived Down Lane or all this, people weren't going to see the movies because they were going to jack off to a pre, you know, that's you also know, a, pu- a pre-puberty. You know, it's only it's only like because of mu- music, um, video, VHS, and released that people that people and i'm just gonna say i don't know how many people actually probably were jacking off the blue lagoon on the video probably nobody but you know when you get like you know little little um suburban mom with a blonde bob that oh my god this is thinking this is what's happening you know and then you get this kind of great big frenzy out oh my god this is horrible people are like jacking off to brooke shields and pretty baby what's gonna happen oh my god not, probably not, no one. That's the thing. The probably no of, one's doing it. Not in the kind of theaters Pretty Baby was playing in. No. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just in there saying that even at home, I doubt people probably are. No. You know what I mean? It's like because you know, but that but that's what people do. That's what that's what Middle America. This oh, is what wow. you're, this Hulu is. But this is, but, but, but this is but this is how your social media. Not your social media, but this is how your uh, you know your social consciousness society dictates to us. Hmm. I didn't you know, know it was a bit like, it's a bit like you know, it's a bit like the James on Bolger case with Child's Play Three. It's like they saw this kid, they saw Child's Play Three, so they went out and took this five-year-old and sat there and sexually molested them and murdered them and chopped them up. These two eight-year-olds come to find out, it started the video nasty scare here. Come to find out, these kids never even saw Child's Play Three. This is right. something that people ran with. 
That's sort of like, like the Slender Man thing that they had going here. People were killed by one of their Well, it, it, it's your Karens. It's, it's, but it's your Karens in the world that sit there and dictate this kind of crap. You know, the same kind of person goes, oh, don't do nativity scenes in a school because it upsets the Muslims. The Muslims are like, we're not upset. No one asked us, you know, because it's someone like coming up with these ideas. So. The, 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 the middle ground, at least in that case, would be let every religion do their own display. And then this goes away. And it should be either all of them do or none of them do. You, you, can't, you can't be like this, this group gets to do it, this group doesn't. I um, think that if I just, I think if someone's going to be offended, I think the people who, I don't think that people should be offended for the group of people. I think the group of people should come out and say they're being offended. I know here, for instance, they said that nativity plays can't be there because Muslims are offended. Come to find out when they ask the Muslim um, people here, they weren't offended. They loved it because their children got to play Jesus and Mary, and they got their, their kids got what ended up being in the play, and they, they didn't have they didn't have a problem with it. It was some I, it was some white person being offended for them, and that's the problem. Right. My, I mean, I'm a very if they're offended. Staunch, it's different. Right. I'm a very staunch atheist, and mm. I, you know, to me, my 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 own, I, I don't see you celebrating your religion as shoving it down my throat. I no. see if you come out and tell me I have to live by the rules of your religion, yeah. fuck you. That's that's where that's where the line should be. Nothing, you yeah. do whatever you want. Mm. Yeah. Just don't don't try don't try to pass laws to dictate what I am allowed or not allowed to do based on your religion. Like, oh, yeah. we don't believe yeah. in sex before marriage. I believe that's the best fucking sex you can have. So, <laughs> well, if they don't want to have sex before marriage, I don't want to fuck them anyway. So, what's the problem? Exactly. Like, dude, do your thing. Don't try to pass a law to dictate what I should do, and we're fine. Precisely. I don't care if you put up a nativity scene. The reason I don't think that stuff belongs on like uh, on like a courthouse is because I don't want the I don't want the law or the legislature to be able to tell me. That well, this law is based on the Ten Commandments. I don't give a fuck about your Ten Commandments. The only important ones on there are, you know, don't steal, don't kill, uh, you know, the, the the which I think everybody agrees to. <laughs> so, yeah, you want to you want to uh, put your you know your 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 thing on you know your your uh, your home. You want to decorate it with Christmas lights, whatever. Do whatever you want. Just don't try to push it on me. And I am fine with that. I I mean, let me, I mean, I just think to this, like, if something offends you, don't watch it. Plain and simple. That's also true. You know, and I, you know, if you don't, if something offends you, just don't watch it. Turn it off. Which, which is, just because, a, which offend, is because, because then don't tell me what I should be offended by. Which if I'm part, offended by something, I'll let you know. Which is but part of the problem I have with modern movies is that, We'll hear like, oh, they had to cut this part out because um, uh, they, if, if we don't cut this out, then, uh, you know, the government in China is going to be pissed. Well, I don't give a shit what they think. Don't watch mm -hmm. the movie or don't. And this is, you know, goes into, why are we making movies where we have to make a billion dollars just to break even? Mm -hmm. Because now we're getting everything watered down so that it doesn't so that everything has to be able to play everywhere. And what ends up happening is you have this fast food cinema that doesn't make a point doesn't isn't really able to make any real um 
any any it doesn't have any real purpose it doesn't have any real art and what, what you end up doing is you end up with poor john cena who says taiwan is a country then having to do a video where he looks like a fucking hostage apologizing to china and oh, fuck china but well, shields actually just had a rolling stone article just came out where they say she bravely confronts her own childhood sexual exploitation and I was trying to go through it real quick while everybody muted, but it's it's about the, the kiss with David Carradine for the first time. She did she didn't know what to do with any of that in pretty babies. It's like, what the fuck, you know? So I mean it's an interesting article. Well, I mean, but, yeah, she but at the same that. time, she can't blame the film. You need to blame her parents. If her parents right, were living off not. her, I wouldn't be doing she it. She said she exactly her parents <laughs> signed off on her parents, <laughs> if anything, are to blame. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but as I see it, I mean the thing is, is I mean a lot of things depend on context anyway, and how things right. are in the context of the film. Now, to be honest, I mean I tell you the one film I've never been a really offended by film, but the the only film that I actually was offended by was Larry Clark's Kids. What was it? And Kids. I found that I didn't see it. It's basically a bunch of teenagers having sex with each other and basically running, you know, very, very provocative. And then they are kids. And I thought, and well, I, these I, are I mean, all minors doing well, this. Yeah, this is about movie. the 90s and stuff like this. And, and, and to be honest, at that time, the art critics were saying this is art. This is the most artistic film and self expression. Well, I'm going to go there and say that I've always wondered and, why Hollywood had a thing for pedophilia and little kids. They do. You can't deny it. But I guess it just depends on who it is. Well, I think it, I think it all depends on the context of what it's used for. Exactly. Like the little girl, like the little girl down, who lives down the lane, for instance, is not used as a way to let's, let's no. stimulate the male members, no. the, you know, or no. stimulate. And it's, so, it's so, all, so it works. In, so it works in the context of that because basically this is about two people, and, you know, basically they're comforting each other, and he's pulling, he's just trying to keep them warm, and. It might be her first sexual experience, or maybe she, who knows. But I didn't find that, that offensive context, at all in that scene. I thought it was kind you know, of you know. And actually, if you watch, but, um, yeah, but if you watch Pretty Baby and uh, Brooke Shields, it's like fine. Even in Blue, Blue Lagoon is fine as well because basically natural love. They say well, you know, it, it, it kind of flows with it. Now, if something happens and then you see something and, and you know you got a scene in there that doesn't fit within the script, but it's just in there for gratuitous reasons, then that's a bit different. But at the same time, you got to look at the way things are in content. I mean, well, today, I mean, today, taxi driver would be considered offensive. Meanwhile, oh, they the, could it, never make that film now. You couldn't well, make this film now. You couldn't make Little Girl Live Down the Lane now. You can't do it. The thing about, and the thing he's talking about with context, in the context of the little girl who lived down the lane, yes, one of the main characters is a pedophile, but the he's clearly the villain of the movie. Mm. But I you mean, know, that kind of draws the line, though. Was she kind of a villain? You don't know. And then you've got this old crazy lady in Alice, Sweet Alice. She's a. This is about mental problems too. Clearly brought on probably by her religion. I have to say. Oh, definitely by Catholic. her religion. But the question basically is if you're watching this film, are you going to sit there and become anti-Catholic or are you going to sit there and think that basically you're going to turn into Mrs. Trudodi and start killing, killing people because they think they're sin? No, you're not. You might get one stupid fucker out in the world might do that, but yeah. hey, that's one stupid person amongst billions of people. Billions and yeah, billions exactly. of people. You, one, watching... you can't make everything because of that one nothing. Right. I've been watching slasher movies since I was seven years old, and you cannot, uh, you know, 
I haven't murdered anyone that anyone knows about. I've been watching Disney films and I'm not sitting there singing and hoping that the rodents will come in and clean my freaking house. I am. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? But I would like the animals to come and clean my house. <laughs> That's the thing. People talk about like how 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 this stuff affects you, and like like Keith said, there's there's a small, very small minority, one or two people here or there that might do something stupid based on that. But are we going to condemn all art because of that? Well, that's like Tipper Gore back in the '90s when she tried to get everybody to get rid of rock and roll. You know, we're all playing it backwards to get the satanic message. And to be honest, <laughs> and, the, and the worst, and the worst, the worst thing about this sort of thing, when she's saying that, none of us even thought about playing a record backwards until, until she, said she said it. Said that. And then we start playing it. it backwards, burning our turntables. But you know, maybe that was the thing all along. But the Simpsons saying, you know, it's, it's a bit like um, some of the most controversial films are the most crappiest films in the world, anyway. And because they're controversial, oh, I have to see this now because it's controversial. And then you walk away going, what a piece of shit that was. What did I do? Yeah. I can't believe I just spent my time watching this. Like, it's like very rare. People really are freaking good. out about that right mm -hmm. now. There's a lot of people are pissed about AMC putting their witches on. It's like, big deal. Don't watch it. There's but, sometimes, but, some, but sometimes I wonder if to make something a bit more controversial makes it more viewable. I mean, if you're going to complain about witches, or I don't hear you complaining about Macbeth. Is it because these people have never read Macbeth? I didn't, see him complaining about, I didn't see him complaining about Hocus Pocus. There were people complaining about Hocus Pocus. Yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they were. This last release, yeah, there were people. There, there was uh, this woman who said, you were let, by letting your children watch this, you're letting demons into your home. The singing, it's the music. The music was demonic. Oh. Oh, go! I mean, I'm, I'm offended you know? by Greta. I'm offended by Greta Thunberg, but I don't think they should take her off television. Yeah, I, I, don't get me going. I feel like you know. <laughs> I'm offended by Harry and Meghan. <laughs> I'm not being, but it's like you know, if they want to be on TV, they're all. Oh, people to. want to watch them. Let them. I'm not going to. Someone else might unless, watch. Unless the things you know, unless the things you're doing directly affect mm. you know. Then I, I don't care. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm probably not going to watch this witches this uh, witches show on AMC. But it's because I have no interest in. It. I have plenty of movies if I want to watch something about witches. I could. I, I can just go like her books. That's the only reason I'm I can. I want. May, I I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Mayfair witches. I mean, because it's one of my favorite books by Anne, Anne Rice. I'm look. I'm interested in that. But same thing is what you're saying. If you don't like it, don't watch it. That's right. Just don't watch it. I mean, I'm not interested in reality stars basically going on like x on the beach for instance so basically they yeah. can sit there and show off their sit there and have them like sex with each other and pretend yeah. that they're that they're they are somebody even though they're nobody or the kardashians i'm not into them either i don't understand the invasion but uh, i'm not you know i don't expect them to be taken off the air because i'm offended by it right right exactly if you don't like it just don't watch mm -hmm. it if something isn't for you if you can't um if you can't stomach extremely gory it. horror movies don't watch them if you can't stomach uh you know the idea the, you know uh i mean this is what brought about the Hays code in you know yeah. in the 30s you know mm. it was people going well i don't like this therefore it shouldn't exist no i don't like <laughs> it therefore i'm not going to watch it 
um, I stopped watching Marvel movies for, you know, for, for a couple of years now because I just, mm. I just got tired of them. You're never going to hear me say they shouldn't exist. No. Because there's I love always... Marvel still, but I'm kind of getting bored with their newer films that have become... I won't deny it. <laughs> I'm, never, I'm never going to say I don't like mm. it, therefore you shouldn't watch it. Yeah. Unless somebody was harmed uh, in the making of it and exactly. it was intentional. You know, like, like obviously, you know, Oh, big fucking stance here. Obviously, child porn needs to go away. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> like, that shouldn't exist. But that's because there isn't a... Because there's people in there who aren't willing per participants who are of age to make a decision for themselves to do it. That's the... Uh, you know, something where, you know, where somebody gets intentionally murdered. Obviously, yes. That, you know, if you... Well, it depends who it is. If it's, if it's someone <laughs> like... No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I mean, if, if nobody got hurt, uh, you know, it, it's just art. Just don't watch it if you don't like it. There's a yeah. lot of movies I don't, I don't watch, and I, I mean, I, I would watch Sam Smith get killed because I think he's fucking annoying. But. <laughs> <laughs> There's any producers like the fun Keith project? <laughs> <laughs> Death to Sam Smith. <laughs> but, um, but you know, just, you know, you know, it's like uh, it's I don't know. this movie has been referenced all the way from Showboat, Psycho, Hoodlum Freeze, Don't Look Now was inspired. That raincoat was inspired by the red raincoat in Don't Look Now. The Intruder, that's where you get the mask laying in a pile of masks. Mimic, the death scene of the character named Dominic Dom, remember him, Spages in Communion was referenced mm. almost similarly in the death scene of the Chinese priest. I mean, a lot of people use this thing over and over. Well, they did to draw parallels with other movies. So they were thinking about it. They got their ideas. I mean, there's a lot of them in here that they drew parallels with. But, uh, don't, I mean, don't look I mean, now. Well, I mean, our conversation we're just talking about has basically to do with, like, that's, I mean, isn't that, isn't that where, what Mrs. Sidoni was doing when she's killing everyone because, you know, she's offended by everyone's sin and Saying that this offended by their happening. lack of reverence and respect, and and, and uh, if you look at her, I guess she can sit there and sit there and say how, you know, organizations can sit there and dictate what you see and what you can't see because they might find it offensive. So therefore, they're, they're, they need to be you know speaking what I find call. offensive. Joe brought it up. It's is the fact that this is before Vatican II. My parents were married in '58. My dad was Presbyterian. Mom was Catholic. They could not get married on the altar. They had to be a step below the altar because fuck that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Yeah. Sorry, Ma, if you're listening to this. I never agreed with it when you told me. <laughs> well, I would. I mean, I was. I'm the reason why my parents got married. So we know that wasn't a white wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just can I just say something? So I've been I've been writing some notes because I've got um something. Obviously, I don't completely disagree with what you're saying about the fact that obviously if you something is done as a movie and it's not intended to offend someone, obviously that's not that's not a problem. And obviously, also if you don't like something, you don't watch it. Obviously, but my right. question also is is maybe it's just a challenging thought. Um, how is the culture and people are how is the culture and people are affected? by cinema and I'm, I'm saying this let me explain what i'm what i mean so i grew up 
I'm a person who grew up with Disney movies. And obviously we, we grew up, we see the, you know, the Disney princesses and the happy fairy tales and then once upon a time and happily ever after, et cetera, et cetera. When we then it grew up and we understand that life is not black and white and it's more complicated, there's no Prince Charming coming to save you. However, in my blueprint in my mind, there is a little bit of Disney princesses and fairy tales imprinted in my head, in my subconscious. Even the fact that I chose not to be Catholics and there are certain teachings in the Catholicism who I imprinted in myself anyway, because obviously when you are very, very young, you're like a sponge, you absorb everything mm -hmm. you're taught. So, you know, whatever, education, mm -hmm. friends, experiences of life affect right. you somehow. You know, so my question is how movies affect people? Obviously, depends. So if you're a balanced person, like an adult, like we are, hopefully we are and not very we are balanced, balanced but we enough. do a good display we try yeah exactly so, i mean we try and then we kind of analyze things from a rational perspective so we see the goods we see the bads we analyze the whole thing we understand that that's a movie that's a product of the society mm -hmm. and the period of the time so we understand the perspective etc so my, my question is just just to give an example when you mentioned hocus pocus and saying saying that some people get offended obviously you have the maybe some Christian sects or extremists who are saying, oh my God, this is demonic. You might have also uh, Wiccan groups to say, oh, that's not the correct depiction, for example, or Wiccan, for example, or, um, you know, there could be, all, I'll give you Wait. another example, Charmed, the TV show. I love Charmed, right? I grew up with Charmed. Charmed is very, these days will be very wrong to depict what Wicca is about. Also, it was very politically incorrect back in the days. Obviously, it's a product of the period of the well, time. Technically, they're witches. They're not Wiccans because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's slightly, obviously, it's slightly different. But, yeah. then, yeah. the same, but, what you, but you have to look at, people are going to be offended no matter what. Yeah. Anyway. Of course, yes, 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 yes. And, and you're, I mean, you're never going to keep everyone happy and you never will make everyone no, happy. Of course. No. And to be honest, some people are just going to bitch for the sake of bitching because that's what people do. <laughs> No, but you know, the, um... like you know, and just because, and and you know, the thing is, okay, when you're a child and you're watching something, mm. okay, the thing is, okay, now there's a very thin line, basically, of what a child can see and what, what might be offensive child, because yeah, okay, you can sit there and say that Halloween might be offensive to a seven or eight year old, but at the same time, the seven and eight year old are watching um, news footage that's probably a lot more graphic on a daily basis. <laughs> So I think like, what you need yeah. to do is you need to measure. But the thing is, anytime that anyone sees a film or reads a book or, you know, or watches a theater play or whatever like this, and they think this is reality and they think that this is a template how to live their life, the, pro the problem is not society. The problem is the individual. And if that individual yeah. cannot, you know, cannot um, separate reality or fantasy, that's the problem, the individual, but that's not mm. my job to sit there and make sure that everything is edited and situated for this but one person who's I'll, on I'll, La La Land. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to challenge that for you, say not because that's wrong, mm. but let me let me let me continue what I was saying. Of course so, I'm not wrong. Done, How dare you? Because <laughs> I'm 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 doing like step by step because I've wrote down the whole little thing for you. So yeah. specifically for charmed, right? Obviously the old the old charmed, um, the one I grew up with and I love it. Obviously, there was a lot I of things that I like. And obviously, there's a lot of things that these days could be considered politically correct. Even See, the these days that, might be politically incorrect today doesn't mean they're going to be politically incorrect tomorrow. No, 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 no. But let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me get to the point. Let me get to the point. So 
there were certain things, like, for example, one of the three sisters dressing up in Asian clothes. And some people these days would say, oh, you know, that's cultural appropriation. But then you have the opposite reaction, where the newest charm, the reboot, it's so heavily politically correct. It, it, it gets very I can't boring. watch it. it I, it's I, too I much. I, I, I liked it. it, but it's I don't too do, much. I don't it's do too that heavy. Bullshit. No, it's it heavy. But then let me get to the, let me get to the final point. My mm. final point is, is it again what I was asking earlier? This is the the wondering. Mm-hmm. Is it cinema affecting people? Or people affecting cinema? Because these days, right. movies like. TV shows like Charmed Reboot, oh, it's amazing because it's so politically correct. From my perspective, I don't think I'm very well balanced. I do try. But for me, I can see that way it's a bit too much. But some other people think, oh, it works. And in fact, a lot of people liked it. It was decently yeah, successful. Yeah, but, 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 but the thing but do, is... Do you exactly what, see what the point what, is? What, what, what I the know point what you're that, saying. They're making what, the movies for those people because that's yeah, the new... And, this is how their culture and, is evolving. The thing is, is and this is the, the direction that, yeah, But what you're finding is, is that they're making things for these people, like queer, the new Queerest Folk is another example of this. Mm. The, you know, the, the, the new the Powerpuff Girls, they redid this in the same kind of fashion. Mm-hmm. And what you're finding out is that they're making them, but no one's watching them. They're not coming out with second or third seasons. They're coming out with movies like this, and people are not going to see them. Yeah. When they do all this, and the problem, and so therefore, like, okay, they might be making it because this is what pe- they think that people want to mm. see, and this is what people want to do. But the problem is, is that people are not, if they're not making their money back, and people are not putting their ass on the seat and paying their dollar yeah. to go see this, mm. they're not going to okay, laugh. I see what you mean. And, what you're doing, and, and what you're finding is that these shows are can- these shows are being canceled over and over again because mm. no one's watching them. No so matter how much controversy they're getting. Yes. Yes. But again, agreeing with David. But David's point is, you know, what I what I basically said about, you know, why are we, you know, catering movies to to you know, be this broad? Because when you make movies and TV shows this broad, so you don't offend anybody, you end up the money. with very watered down uh, movies and very watered down television. Like Marvel is becoming now, basically. <laughs> like, like Marvel's well, gotten well. really woke, though. I mean, they're going very that way instead of being. I, I well, liked it when they were. Well, let, let, well let's, let, I mean, let's let's take it. Why do we have to it. go one way or the other? Why can't we? Well, I mean, no, no, I, agree, thing, I, I, no, I think that I think the problem basically is is like what you need to do. Like, let's sit there and say there's not enough um, black movies being made, right? So what you need to do is you got to make sure that if you're going to make black movies, right. you got to make sure that they are ones that everyone's going to enjoy yeah because or if you're going to make gay movies or something like this because the thing is you don't want things and there's nothing wrong with making something no. you know no. if you're going to if you're going to pigeonhole things in one way there's nothing wrong with that but yeah. if you want but if you want to make more of these and you are supporting these causes whether it's gay black or right. um, or asian or whatever whatever you want to stand behind mm-hmm. then when they bake the stuff for you if you want them to continue to make things this way, you better start buying your ticket and putting your ass on the seat and making sure you go and buy it and see yeah. it. Because if you don't, because at the end of the day, this is a business. We're here to make money. If we're not yeah. making money, we're not going to be doing uh-huh. it anymore. I'm going to challenge. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You go ahead, Joe. Sorry. I was going to say that's my, that's my big problem with, with people who complain that all we see in movie theaters now are Marvel movies, Star Wars, um, and you know these big budget tentpole movies. Except whenever I go else. to, 
whenever I go see a movie that's a, that's you know a more independent film, I'm the only one in the theater. Yeah. I've been so there, Joe. I feel that. you. Stop complaining about exactly. it. Start paying to go see it. And also, uh, you know, you, you talk about you know wanting to see more, you know, more movies that you know. Uh, when we did La Caja Fall and The Birdcage, those oh my God, are great I love examples of oh, movies that are you know, gay movies, pro gay rights movies that also appeal to a mm. broader audience. Yes, like you know, it's like Victor Victoria is one of my favoritest movies ever i just i love the, i love all those movies they're, they have a lot to offer it. they really do and they do they're, they have a sympathetic they do tend to make things a little sympathetic for the characters you, i mean i think it's but, more engaging but you got to but the thing is if you no matter what cause you're trying to shove down people's throats or whatever <laughs> you're doing the, the thing is though you need to be clever about it because as soon as you're pointing your finger and yelling at someone and going yeah da 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 your mind shuts off, but you can be clever about it. And you make, if you make a movie that got wonderful characters who are very, you know, they can be whatever you want them to be, however diverse you want them to be, but you got to give them an interesting story. You got to make sure they're interesting people. You got to make sure that you feel something for them. And to be honest, and, and then you can get your same message across because the Twilight Zone did it for seven years on American yeah. television oh. in black and white. We're able to get this uh, diverse, uh, about yeah. diversity and everything across in a way that basically everyone wanted to see it. And you can do it William, without shoving it down people's throats. William Wellman was doing that in the 1930s. If you watch Heroes for Sale or Wild Boys of the Road or any of those movies, there is a very there are very specific messages about how we yes. treat our veterans, uh, uh, how we treat the poor, how we treat the homeless. There's a lot of that in there, but it's put through in a way that even if you don't, that, that it, it can it can get the point across without like be, you know when I was learning screenwriting, stay away from things that are on the nose. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of movies now are on the nose because they feel like they have to make sure that you understand that my position is this. You can make the you in your writing. You can find a way to yes. make the message murky. Yes, and still get your point across. Like this movie, there's and have never a sympathetic a point, audience with Alice Sweet Alice. There's never a point where anybody ever says uh, that that this old woman is. A victim oh. herself of the systemic, <laughs> you know, the systemic like guilt it, of yeah. Catholicism. <laughs> oh my but God! No there. kidding! Don't even get it going on that. <laughs> I think another thing I think I think that's very very important to remember is is that the thing is, it's like children. People are like children, and if you want a child to do what you want them to say, you don't talk down like this. And how are you doing, little Johnny? Duff? But if you talk to them like Customer an adult, service talk. And you, and you treat them like an adult. <laughs> people get the point and so and you need to treat people like they're adults you need to treat people like they're intelligent don't treat people like they're stupid because as soon as you treat someone like they're stupid you're you're if i treated you like you're stupid right now your mind's going to shut off yeah. but if i talk to you like an intelligent person we can exchange ideas and maybe both and of, you know so make, both of our minds lacking can... in the conversations be, these days it really be is. like be like jody foster the little girl who lives down the lane she will bring herself down to talk to somebody at their level, but not talk down to them. Precisely. Uh, Davide, I, 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 had, uh, I had cut you off when you were trying to say something. Uh, you were no, going to no, challenge no. something. <laughs> I, I was yes. 
What's up? What's next on that little notebook of yours, David? <laughs> no, because um, I, I, I've had a great idea that the last time we did the um podcast, I was talking and I, I had think to think to say maybe not the right time, and I forgot about mm. them. Now I'm writing everything down, uh, but I'm still Perfect. forgetting a couple of things because I'm writing, writing, Jump writing, in there and speak firing. Your name, <laughs> 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 but. Um, yeah, and, and another, I don't know if you watched another TV show that I got into. So, uh, um, as I'm myself not so much into LGBT culture TV shows, not too much. For example, one of the TV show I used to watch was, I don't know if you know RuPaul's Drug Race, but then I got bored. I love RuPaul, become, but then he got weird on me. It become very weird. I found it offensive. Oh, really? Okay. Go ahead. No, no, I find it offensive because it's like, God forbid, is there any gay person who had a fucking happy childhood because all oh, they're all fucking miserable? Oh, my mom didn't love me enough. My dad didn't love me enough. And, the, yeah, and, that's, but, you know, their, mom and their mom and dad are in the audience. I'm like, okay, well, obviously they got over it or whatever. <laughs> oh, no, you know, no, people are not I'm accepting like, me for who I am. People are not. I don't. This. The, no, the pro, I, I, I can't even accept you because you're screaming. I mean, it's like, you know, come on. It's like, why do you have to have a I, story to be on a show? Right. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the that's the problem. That goes for everybody, set, though. That's yeah, good. that they choose the certain yeah. type of uh, people just because that would make audience. So if they make well, if they make it, a character that doesn't have it's anything, not... that doesn't make a TV. So well, any anytime like anytime that. I'm watching some kind of game show or whatever that has real people in it, and to be honest, once they start in with their sob story, I'm just like I start laughing, and of course it upsets everyone I live with because I'm laughing at them. Because it's like, oh God! It's like, why? It's like because then know, what's that's what, what the problem? What, 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 what the end of the day is like, if I was, I, I guess this is how I look at it. Is like, okay, we all have diff, we've all had difficult times in our lives. Okay, yeah. life is like that. Life is never going to be a zippity doo da hunky dory day. Okay, sure life not. is. Like, <laughs> and, and to be honest, if, if you didn't have your difficulties to get through life anyway, you're going to be a boring person. So that makes you more interesting. But if I'm going on to something, because I have a talent, I rather win because of my talent, not because of my sob story. Oh, no, but I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I totally agree. But then oh, the drama makes TV. But the drama makes TV. But even even the Oscars have found themselves in, in this in this predicament because Again? You, you have um like, well this, this has been going on forever with the Oscars, where yeah. where uh you end up getting the um the uh the emotional kind of payback award like right. Martin Scorsese finally gets best picture and best director for the departed when, because they feel like, well, we should have given it to him 25 years ago. We never did because we were, because we were busy paying back another director who we feel we should have given it to 25 yeah. years prior. I don't really watch award up, shows anymore because one, I can't this, stand any of them when they get up and give up their this, little speech. It's like, shut you up. You end up in this endless speech. cycle though of people being basically, it's basically the Thalberg award the entire yeah. night because you're like, like, like this year, everyone's talking about, oh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis finally got an Oscar nomination. Maybe they'll give it to her. But for at the same what? time, for what? And, Maybe, uh, what did she get nominated for? Uh, the, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. I thought you were saying um. Halloween kills. I'm going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <giving it. laughs> I'm disappointed at, at, at Halloween kills not getting enough Razzie nominations. Mm. Um, and, but then on the other, oh, on the other end, Halloween ends. On yeah. the other end of it, uh, Halloween ends. 
um, on, on the other end of it, you have that, you have people going, "Oh, this might be Angela Bassett's year because she should have been she should have been winning them for for years anyway." But it's like, at what point do we just look at the single year and the single yes. work that they're being nominated for and go, "No, they should get it for this movie at this time." Yes. Um, Honestly, the, the well, best... the, the I mean, to be honest, the interesting thing is I find the Golden Globes and the People's Choice Awards a lot more interesting than the Oscars because the Oscars are political. Because it's all people within, that's all the people who are involved in that industry. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of these, and when you ever get anything involved in any industry, whether, I mean, and we all been in the work work environment. I mean, I work for the NHS and I know, you know, basically it's like, if you all know the secret handshake, chances are they're going to be important <laughs> here. So it's like, okay, even though they may have never done anything, but it's like, okay, well, uh, whatever. And you know, and I, I mean, I, I you know I do appreciate the Oscars, but I do find it weird that a lot of Oscar movies and people who win in these Oscars and stuff like this, very rarely end up being in films that become your favorites that you want to return to time and time again. There are a few that do, but if you look at all the if you look at all the winners, I mean, we you know we mentioned it before. I mean, you know, we cover you know all, most of the films that we cover haven't won Oscars, but we love well, them. I, dude, I mean the big films. The biggest one to me is King Kong. Ninety years mm. later, we're no still shit. talking about King's King Kong. Who the fuck's talking about Cavalcade? Yeah. Which one best picture? Either. Nobody talks about these movies. Um, or, or, who, or, or, or I mean, we're doing the color purple next week, right. but no one's talking about Trip to Bundaberg. <laughs> Who's ever the one talked to Trip to Bundaberg? That won the Oscar. Well, color purple did get Oscars though. Color purple? No, it was it was snubbed pretty much. It was snubbed. Was it really? It's an excellent. I think play. I think Quincy Jones. I think Quincy Jones won one for music or something. Right. A lot of times, you know, uh, uh -huh. you know, two two thousand, uh, you know, in two thousand one, uh, you know, people are people are putting you know Mulholland Drive was yeah. in Sight and Sounds list of the best movies ever made and made it into the top ten. Didn't get nominated for Best Picture in 2001. Meanwhile, mm. uh, what won that year? Um, which again, not a bad movie. Yeah, you know, you know what, whatever won that year. I think it might have been a, it might have been a Beautiful Mind, which isn't a bad movie, right. but it's not anywhere near as good as Mulholland Drive. You well, know, uh, Raging to May and uh, My Cousin Who Vinny. Who's the director of Mulholland Drive? David Lynch. David Lynch. David Lynch. Okay. And they get David Lynch got. I mean, he got his Oscar Elephant Man, and after that, they kind of they kind of were embarrassed after that by him. I mean, when for you, whatever reason. Uh, you know, uh, Raging Bull should have won right. off his Scorsese in 1980, and it didn't. And we still talk about Raging Bull. I what what even won Best Picture that year? I don't mm. even know. Like off the right. top of my head, I'd have to look it up. And it'll probably be something I'll be like, oh, yeah, I saw it and it was okay, but it's not going to be on that level. And it's because we have this stupid idea that we have to keep, you know, oh, hey, this You're person. Right. Why don't they settle on that year and that year alone? Focus. It would because solve they feel a lot like, of problems. They feel like yeah. I we, we owe it to this person who we've snubbed in the past. Well, that's what the Lifetime Achievement Award's for. Yeah, exactly. But they... they, well, they, they yeah, there, there are plenty of people who, have, um, who are great actors who've never won an Oscar ever in their life. Yeah, and they have long careers. Alfred Hitchcock never won Best Director. No, no. Best Picture once, but that wasn't that went to David O. Selznick for producing. Right yeah, for Rebecca. For Rebecca, yeah. That was a great movie. <laughs> that really you was know? a great movie. Uh, but I mean, I mean, think of I mean, think of North by Northwest, Vertigo. Another great movie. Echo, no, never, not even nominated. Yeah, that was criminal. That that really was. It really was. Yeah. 
And there's but, a lot of there's a lot of cases like that. And I think honestly, you know, well, they're snobs. Just look like Mia Goth. Don't tell me that girl does not deserve a nomination. Every, <laughs> because, that's, I was going to get to that. I was like, 20 years from now, people are still going to look back at Pearl and think, uh, "Holy shit, this is one of the greatest horror movies ever made." Everything, everywhere, all at once. I don't acting think was right insane. now. Everybody's talking about it, but I everything everywhere all at once is not going to age well. Be uh, no. 20 years from now, no, no. As as much as I like the movie now and I like the message of acceptance in the movie. 20 years from now, people are going to see it as on the nose. The, you know, some of the humor is too cringy. Um, but, you know, I, I, Banshees of Innocence. Chances are, in 20 years' time, it might be considered offensive in 20 years' time, the way things are going. It might knows. be. It might be. Yeah. Yeah. And then, which, which, is another, which is another point about, you know, going back and lo- looking at things from other eras and going, well, it's offensive now. I can't judge something made in the 1930s by my morality now because there's almost going yeah. obviously it's almost as if you're trying to cancel history but it's yeah. almost like we're there right now though because look at freaks i mean oh, look at that movie freaks 1932 that was pretty that's a pretty fucked up movie but i love it you I know mean, it's, but it's also but it's also freaks is making the opposite point that the people who wanted to censor it at the time was making mm. Because the, it, freak, it, the, freak, the freaks aren't the circus freaks. The freaks are the normal people. Exactly. And the normal right. people who want to exploit them are the villains. Exactly. And if you had thought about that, you wouldn't have you know, tried to destroy Todd Browning's career over this movie. Yes. And to be honest, the people who are trying to destroy his career never actually saw the movie to begin with. Exactly. Most likely. Most likely. I mean, if you, if you look at some people like... Um, you know, when people are going on about any kind of film and you've asked these people if they've seen this film and most of them, they haven't. They're jumping on a bandwagon for a film. Like, look at about films that go, oh, this film is controversial. I'm not going to go see this. Oh my God, I'm so offended by it. And the film hasn't even been released yet. Well, maybe They're you going need by to go what see everyone it. else is saying. So what does maybe that tell you, you? Maybe you need to go see it to make, to, so that way you can have an informed opinion <laughs> on why you don't like it. Have you ever have you ever watched a movie when they came out of Dan? I think it was from Dan Brown, the Da Vinci, da Vinci Code. I watched that, all that, that became so controversial in Italy. There was a news at some point. I, I was so shocked that some people um, with a church priest, whatever, started no, burning and make a big fire in front of a church, burning all the books from Dan Brown. I'm thinking this is a mm. flipping novel. Why are you burning books? This is fucking middle, medieval. And that happened. The people who burn books are never are never the good guys, by the way. No. Yeah. No. But, I but the thing that, is, with the Da Vinci yeah. Code, is it's just it's coming it's out novel. with what if it's anybody reads the it's apocrypha, the like not the one that's sort of included mm. in the Bible. Mary Magdalene and Jesus had a very big time relationship. They probably still have a bloodline. But people don't want to think of Jesus Christ no, as a man. Jesus was Rabbi gay. Was gay. Rabbis, Why he's with 12 men? <laughs> Rabbis used to have to be oh, married. Just what was the? Uh, I, it might it might have been the Da Vinci Code because that would have that, that would have been around the time. There was, Judas uh, gave one, him a French kiss. There was one. Um, <laughs> my my girlfriend at the time her her stepfather's mother was like one of those people that was like picketing the Da Vinci Code. Oh, people and, lost their minds. And when I yeah. when I asked her what's wrong with it. Uh, she said, because it makes fun of Jesus. And I'm like, no. does it? No. It just puts Jesus Have in the light that Jesus seen? was a man. 
Have you actually seen this movie? Because it doesn't make fun of Jesus at all. Not at all. Not at all. You haven't actually seen it. You got whipped into a frenzy and you're and you're yelling about it when you haven't actually seen go oh, watch shit. the movie you're gonna find none of what you're complaining you wanna, you about you want to see something that's gonna raise a lot of ire the last temptation of christ that will that's definitely it, yeah. shut down a catholic town and look i love <laughs> i love i love martin scorsese i was bored for a lot of that movie i, I didn't I, think I it liked, was that fun either overall i liked it i liked overall, it i think it was- it's a i think it's a very good movie well, but I, what about I, that? I, what about that Mel Gibson Jesus porn film? Oh, Temptation! Oh, uh, I mean, God, yeah. I mean, what was that all about? That was a Jesus snuff film. That's all that yeah. was. Was I mean, that made you almost anti-Semitic by the time you left the theater. Which, well, I, which knowing we, we Mel know, Gibson, we, we, we yeah. know what happened to Mel Gibson <laughs> afterwards. He went mad afterwards, so obviously that wasn't no, good for him. Knowing Mel Gibson's anti-Semitism, that might have been the point. Well, holy shit! I mean, that was a Jesus stuff film. I've never seen anybody beaten so much through a movie my entire movie watching days. But let's have be I honest. But let's be honest, though. I mean, this is a bit like you know, this is this is how this is how screwed up people are because like <gasps> Judas is a bad man. Right, but you need Judas for Jesus you to be crucified, to. and if you don't have Jesus crucified, you you got you don't have you don't have the whole more you don't yeah. have the thing. Jesus has happen. to die, yeah, because that's what has to happen. Right, yeah, exactly. You, know, you need you need the person to turn him in. You need that. You need you need that bad person or whatever to happen. Without Judas, so at the you end of the day, Judas <laughs> a dick. No, God's a dick. Because God set all this up, right? right. <laughs> you know, when, when we when we do our Batman podcast, we talk about the reason Batman is such a great hero is because he has so many great villains to play off of. Exactly. And you, Jesus and you, needed him a villain besides the Roman legions. So. But, but the thing is, but you need, but you need, you know, you need this stuff to happen because at the end of the day, if Jesus isn't crucified. Then basically you got no one who's dying for your sins, and basically you don't have to. You don't. You're, there's no thing as Christians anymore. You yeah. need that to happen. To, and then I'll have to go to hell, like the nuns told me for the last ten years of my parochial uh, career. You know, but but at the same time, the same people who are you know going against the Vinci Code still think that Jesus is white. So go figure that. Yeah, one out. that's true. They think Jesus has. He looks like uh, Jeffrey fucking Hunter. No, he didn't. No, yeah, Robert, he, he, no, he looked like Robert. Look like he looked like Robert Powell. <laughs> but, but, but at the same time, I think thinking like if Jesus was white and Herod's going after him, go go after the white kid. Because it'd be like he'd be easy to find. He'd be like running around in around a little white kid, little ginger white kid running around be sunburned. <laughs> you guys have you guys seen the meme of that uh, that that uh, somebody shared a, a a picture of like his grandmother's mantle, and they got a picture of Ewan McGregor in uh, Star Wars Episode One framed on the mantle because his grandmother thinks it's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not see that. I, I gotta, <laughs> You've been better off with Samuel Jackson. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. Motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try to find it and send it to you guys. <laughs> oh my god, I would love to see that's too funny. Uh, but I mean it's just like you know, people crowd themselves up with these ideas and they go with them, don't they? So oh my god, they give themselves total friggin' they need an enema in their brain pan. They really do after that.
So I guess what we should do is maybe we should rate Alice Beat Alice. So starting with you, Joe, how many sibling rivalries do you give Alice Beat Alice? I'm going to go four on this one. I, um, I like the mystery suspense angle of it. Um, uh, Mr. Alfonso, just his look. The just, pervert, oh. the fat pervert dude. Yeah. The, uh, oh my God, that guy was, was pale, pale like sick as well. <laughs> like that guy was the best you know, part of the movie. It's funny because I, I, you know, I went into this going, I don't remember if I'd ever actually seen it until I watched it last night. And I remembered, you know, the, the opening, you know, you know, the, 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 the girl holding the cross as the, as the credits scroll. I'm like, Oh shit. I do remember this. And I remember I started writing something uh, like 20 or so years ago. And I don't know why, but the image came to me of the villain looking like Mr. Alfonso to the point that, like, I had a fat guy in, you know, a stained wife beater and stained uh, <laughs> pants as the villain, and I was, and now it came to me. I did that because of this movie because I, I, I was like, I know, I know that one of my friends had a VHS tape of it, and I think we watched it when I, you know, when I was like really, really young, but I don't remember it, and it all came flooding back to me last night. Well, he was a sketchy uh, pervert, but he wasn't the murderer, but he was a really. Um, Obscenely vile human being, though. By the yeah. way, well, he was, he was twenty eight years old. He's how old? Twenty eight years old. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. He, he he apparently committed a feeder. I think he, he committed a suicide at thirty one. Oh no way! Really? Yeah. Well, wow. he did have cankles. <laughs> well, apparently <laughs> he, he's in he's in three movies. I've seen all three of them. It's uh, Alice, Sweet Alice, Blood Sucking Freaks, and uh, oh, that was him in Blood Sucking Freaks. Oh my God, he's the gangster in Blood Sucking Freaks, and oh he's, in, um, he's in um, he's in Joel Reed's uh, Night of the Zombies, which is a terrible movie, terrible, boring as shit. Do not I didn't notice it. him in that. Well, that's why you committed suicide. Is that from there, probably? The blood sucking. <laughs> I definitely know who he is in blood sucking. But he, uh, well, apparently, in what I read, and this is, uh, uh, Joel Reed apparently says he had a very beautiful wife. So must have had a hell of a personality. He was probably uh, a great person. Uh, yeah, he was involved in local theater, and apparently everybody liked him. Uh, when he when he got movie roles because of how he looked, unfortunately, this is this is his lot in life. You know, much like you know, uh, uh, Rondo Hatton, uh, Tor Johnson, all those people who because Bad of their Albert. looks, they had. Bad Albert. <laughs> Bad Albert. <laughs> uh, but apparently, from what I read, and this person said that they couldn't confirm it. Apparently, there was an incident where he got stuck in the turnstile at a at a um, at a subway station. And the media attention brought upon him by this uh, embarrassed him so much that he killed himself. That's uh, what I read. I, this person said that they couldn't confirm it. From all accounts, though, he's, uh, everybody who worked with him said he was a very nice person. That's but sad. It's just, this is how he looked. This is, you know, this is what he was stuck well, with. He's not very bright if he thought he could get through a turnstile, though. <laughs> Well, I mean, sorry. come on. I mean, I don't well, I'm sorry, that. but if you were that way, would you be able to get? Would you? If, would you think you get through a turnstile? Yeah, exactly. I I've been I very, very get... pregnant and could not get through a turnstile before. So I am five. I'm five seven, a twenty eight inch waist, and I can barely get through most turnstiles half the time. Yeah, they are kind of small. They really yeah, are. Precisely. Not that size, literally. 
So yeah, apparently uh, he had a he had a very sad ending. Unfortunately, that is sad. That's very sad. Poor poor um, poor Mr. Kanko man. <laughs> I thought he was the best part of the movie. Tell you the truth, I liked him actually. Oh God, the the piss stained pants. Oh, uh, I know. Oh my God. The only thing that I don't get is how did he ever leave the house? Like he's not in any condition. Like she gives him. Like she's gonna give him a check to go deposit for the rent. How the yeah. fuck is he going to get to, he's going to get down those stairs and back up to go to the bank. And I'm not saying this as someone who's like, that shit. Well, he liked so, cats, so he had to go get cat food, obviously. He Maybe did not. mention the stores don't deliver on Sundays. Sundays. So clearly he, get, he gets things delivered to him. I bet it smells as well. I bet it smells. I mean, he, he, gets, he gets this. The thing is, I got this other thing about this film is that this is probably the only film that actually feels like it's in smell and vision. Yeah, I don't know, but you, you just like you can just you just like smell everything coming off the screen for some reason. I don't know why. So I, you know, I'm not I'm not saying this is someone who's 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 fat shaming. I mean, I I used but to be I, am. I used to be close to 400 pounds, so I'm not going to shame anybody. Yeah, but you're uh, shallow and self centered, Keith. Okay. <laughs> but it's just like, I, of course I like, am. I'm a psychiatrist. What else should I be? <laughs> when you get to that level like that big it's like i don't understand like my when i got to like 350 like my back would hurt going to the mailbox like how does this guy like live and it's just got to be a sad existence yeah you know uh because like he's mm. got to be in a lot of pain all the time i don't understand how he could go up and down those stairs um he we, probably a, a, we probably has a feeder sometimes they have feeders I, yeah maybe Maybe somebody comes and picks eat, up. Eat, maybe he's got a camera. Yeah. So. Maybe somebody's got. Maybe somebody comes up and gets the gets the check and goes and deposits it in his account. Yeah. Maybe Possibly. he's got a carer or some family members going there to help him. Or maybe he's train one of his cats. <laughs> <laughs> Fluffy, go deposit this. Wow. <laughs> Get some cat litter on the way home. <laughs> I mean, you, ne- you never see him outside because you can't really no. imagine him being outside. Like now, nowadays, he, he, you know, he would get along fine because someone would Venmo him the rent or Zell him the rent, and he just, yeah, okay, it's in, it's. In well, the back. He was a total whiny baby when he got accosted, though, wasn't he? Big old burly man like that, screaming like a little baby. I mean, if you found roaches on you, you'd be screaming too. If I had something like that on me, I would be postal. I'd be pulling out every firearm in this house and I'd be shooting them little bastards. But I I would also never put myself in a position where somebody wanted to just drop roaches on me either because you got got to be a special kind of person. Well, he was kind of a sickening individual. Why did a little girl keep going into his apartment anyway? Why did did she do it? Because he's easy to torment, isn't he? Yeah, she's yeah, a, she, she was, was a, a sadistic little shit, is what yeah, she was. Yeah, that character is definitely a little bit of a sadist. Yeah, um, if I had yeah, a, if yeah. I had a daughter, that's what she'd be like. Post, yeah, yeah I bet well, probably. <laughs> can't believe you all agree. Can't believe you all agree to that. <laughs> just, just, watch. Well, I was, I was just about to say, just watching the way you torture Vicky. I'm like, yeah, I can see. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, at least I know he's fucking around most of the time. I can't imagine what if he was really hating on me, what it would be like. So, yeah. 
Actually, I probably probably just wouldn't be bothered with you at all. I'd probably never hear from me ever. <laughs> well, that, that's that's my stance on things. I feel like ball breaking is part of a friendship. As long, yeah, like there's there's a limit to where to where you. Oh go. yeah, you oh, already you know where your limits private are. Private conversations, private text conversations, or or if it's like sometimes once in a while he'll call me, I'll be high as space balls, and he'll keep me on the phone for two hours and fuck with me. So I mean, <laughs> he <just> never knows. <laughs> you just never know with him. But yeah, like if, if I if I don't like you, I'm I'm not breaking your balls. I'm just not dealing with you. Yeah. But yeah, I give I give it uh I I give it four sibling rivalries. Is that what we're giving it? Four sibling yeah, rivalries. Because rivalries. this is you know it feels like a Jalo and, and uh, you know looks obviously like Jalo. He looks like a Jalo, feels like a Jalo, and I love a good Jalo. Um, uh, I so yeah, I I really I really enjoyed this. Um. I like the mystery of it. I didn't remember who the killer was. I thought it was wow. If this turns out to actually be Alice, this is going to be like really on the nose. It was too and, obvious. It was too yeah, obvious. it would have been too obvious. Thankfully, you know. Uh, also, the you know, even when we do see uh, the old woman when she's not, well, yeah, before she's revealed as the killer, when she's dealing with the uh, the Monsignor who can't really get around. Right. And so why do I have to come down? I don't feel good because I'm not coming up and down the stairs. Why the fuck are you doing this job then? Your job yeah. is to be a caretaker for this person. We'll fucking take care of them. <laughs> so you can kind of see the, you know, the kind of bitchiness of her there. So, uh, and she is definitely, uh, you know, an, an evil person who tries to justify the evil things. She's she a does. psycho. That's what she is. Yeah. Absolutely enjoy this movie. Well, what about yourself, David? How many sibling rivalries do you give Alice, sweet Alice? That's been challenging, to be honest. I've got a lot of good points, but a lot of uncomfortable points. Um, the good points is the fact that it makes me kind of challenging. It challenged my thinking. So it's kind of like the Catholic background of the kind of like, oh, could be anti-Catholic or, or maybe not. Maybe it just makes you think about it. Um, so that's interesting. Um, kind of like throwing the family values in the bin. Like, <laughs> like... Um, great kind of a contrast of what maybe back in the days used to think uh people used to think um i love the way they portrayed alice as well because there was a big twist at the end that i expect her to be the killer obviously she was angry at the mother the sister the auntie she was vengeful she was moaning and she was weird that part when she was at the institute and the mother going to visit her and she's bringing the doll and she's just saying well no i don't need a doll i'm too awful that made me feel like okay so she's kind of grown up and the mother doesn't know her own daughter the mother was really detached from her i thought it's yeah. it, it, it was like okay that's a good excuse to make her the killer because she's kind of like uh well my mother doesn't love me you sort of what, like though, we need to talk about kevin in alice's of. defense and i hope like i said sorry ma but when i was in catholic school i was a problem child <laughs> for all kinds of reasons no yeah. really but they would my mother always believed them flipping nuns over me all the time and half the time it was because there was a lot of shit going on you know they were really cruel <laughs> to us girls i mean they were cruel beyond measure so i mean if i was alice there's a lot of people i wanted to knock off when i was in seventh grade that's all i got to say there, there was Just a survive. Uh, the school that I went to that was uh, picking on my brother. And what she would do is she would go behind him and she would like pull his hair. Yeah. And, like and my mother had to go down to the office and be like, no, this doesn't happen. 
I do not want you. I, look, my, my, my kid might do some things that aren't necessarily good, but you're, that doesn't give you the right to yeah. physically but, put yeah, your hands on She's doing God's work. How dare your mother suggest that she's not doing God's work? Right? <laughs> well, they were mean to us because the titty fairy came in sixth grade. And holy shit, you know, when you got no, Yeah, but what do you expect? I mean, they're period and they never got laid. I mean, of course they're going to be frustrated. <laughs> I think there was some stuff going on with them women. Yeah, they say, a lot, they say there's a lot of lesbianism stuff going, going on. on. <laughs> There's a lot of finger cupping going on. They know. Are we going to be covering <laughs> images in a convent? <laughs> or <laughs> the, the, God, the, the Actually, the funniest thing ever is I have, a, I have a friend who's an actress and um, she was playing Mary Magdalene in a film. And the thing is, she did all her scenes with this nun. And she didn't think anything of it because she said all oh, the other scenes are being filmed and stuff like this. So we went to the finale in the West End in Piccadilly, in Piccadilly Cinema. And we went to go see this and come to find out she had all her scenes, but they were intercut with lesbian nuns having sex with each other. <laughs> I would have paid to walk in on that. And the funny thing about it is like her parents are there, all her friends are there. All the guys. Oh, oh, fuck. What was the name of this movie? Uh, Christopher I, Lee. Uh, the the um, Fuck, I'm trying to look at my Jess Franco movies right now. Uh, Eugenie, the story of her journey into perversion, which right away you should know what the fucking movie is, but it's based on uh, Marquis de Sade's um, uh, uh, fuck. Well, it's based on de Sade. I don't remember specifically which one. Uh, I don't remember the title at least, but uh, there's a special feature on it where Christopher Lee uh, talks about how he was, he was hired to come in and read de Sade and he wasn't aware when they cut the movie that there were all these orgies taking place in front of him. <laughs> like Caligula. He, he found out about oh it. Oh, God, Caligula. Um, that he found out. cracks me up, the local, the, the big circle jerk. But the funny <laughs> thing is he found out about this movie. He found out about the content of this fucking movie when one of his friends called him and told him that it was playing at a porno theater in, uh, in London. <laughs> Well, oh my, my friend Christine, but the worst thing about my friend Christina's movie is like, oh, no one will ever see this after she was embarrassed, but you know, she took it on gets no one will ever see this. And for six years, it would be on like um, every every weekend, it'd be on like channel four at one o'clock in the morning. It would play for like one to five in the morning on a repeat over and over for oh. five years, every Saturday and Sunday, every Friday and Saturday, not Sunday. What movie was that? Oh, God, what was it? Something like The Blood of Christ or something okay. stupid like that. That's but the yeah. way of things. I have a Imagine copy that of it. Exploitation I have a copy of it point. somewhere, and every time she comes over after, she finds it, she, tells me, she throws it at me and tells me to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so she went for playing Hillary Swank's mother in Affairs of the Necklace to this. Wow. <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> So, how many sibling rivalries did you give it, David, before we go off course again? Yes. <laughs> um, I would say three out of five. Three out of five? Oh, okay. Do you like this one better than uh, than The Little Girl Lives Down the Lane? Okay. Definitely 100%. Okay. Definitely. David is an honest man. What about <laughs> yourself, Victoria? I will give it four Anton Zander LeBays. <laughs> 
<laughs> I liked it a lot, but you know what? It, you want to talk about me being a snowflake and tr getting triggered? This will do it. Absolutely. Catholicism? Yes. Yes, it well, those will. those of us who went to Catholic schools, yeah. Well, you did mention earlier, those uniforms are spot on because they looked exactly like the uniforms that uh, uh, that the little girls in my school oh, God. wear. The, 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 the skirts, the, the blouses, the princess collars, the saddle and, shoes, uh, the, and the, the um, socks. And the vests, yeah. God, man, I wish I would have saved it. For, I wish I would have kept those uniforms when I was like, like 25, 26. I could have made some real money off them back. <laughs> especially, especially if you sell it to like Asian cinema, they love those out uniforms. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, I'm going to give this a three and a half, I think. Um, for some reason, in my mind, this film's a better than what it is. And then I watch it, and I kind of just feel kind of dirty afterwards. I don't know what it is, but there's a lot I like. I love the way you know the the, the attention to detail and the way the pe the people look like people. I mean, they look like people from my family album. I mean, if you look at my family, they're all dressed like that and everything. So because yeah. I was born in '65 and stuff like that. So um, so yeah. That's maybe yeah three and a half. I'm gonna sit there and say because my mind tends to wander a little bit during this movie. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's why I went from a five to a four. It wandered a little bit, but not enough for me to say, oh, it's a bad yeah. movie. I think it's a very good movie. Um, My mind but, wanders when Paula Marshall's not on uh, not on the screen. I find yeah, her fascinating. I agree with that. I agree. And, and when she and when she's off there, and then we find out it's Mrs. Tenaldi, I'm kind of like, and then I kind of lost interest after after yeah, after yeah, true, that. True. And that speaks to Davide's point that you know he he felt the killer should have been revealed at the very end. That yeah, would have been on the list of the negative things. Think. Yes, I think with a lot of these, I think with a lot of these, these, these slasher mysteries, uh, I, I do feel like that's the point where like you don't need like a half hour climax because people are just trying to figure out who the killer is the whole time. Um, so I think once that happens, yeah, at that point it just becomes well, how is how is the hero going to get away? Uh, in this movie, though, I like that it actually uses that to go into why she's doing it before the eventual. Um, yeah. you know, uh, oh, I like that. Dispatching it. But then it kind of like, and then I, I think it's just because Paula Marshall kind of just falls to the side and then she kind of disappears and then she comes back and she's putting the butcher knife in her in her bag. And that's the end of the movie. So it's kind of like, where's she yeah. now? She just kind of disappears. Yeah. And I think I think if she was a bit more centralized or somewhere more around or even a couple of things, I probably would I probably would have given it a four. But I, but I wonder now if if the title does it a disservice because when you call the movie Alice Sweet Alice and Alice disappears halfway through the movie, it would have like by um, I, I have the Arrow uh, release of it, which you know the box is Alice Sweet Alice. When you put the movie in, the title card is Communion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's maybe, how I saw it. Communion is probably the more appropriate title for this movie. I, I agree mm -hmm. with that. That's a really yeah. I just I just found this. I just found Paula Marshall or Alice's character very very interesting. Yeah, and it, it just feels like she's been dropped out of the movie at halfway point, and then they brought right. her back in for the final scene. And it would I don't I don't know how you would incorporate her in, but it would have been interesting to figure out how to make her. Didn't have to be a central character, but it'd be interesting that you know that she's involved like somewhere or, movie, even though. even if she's finding her father or finding the guy with the cockroaches or or finding yeah. a body or something you know it's just kind of like she gets sent off and disappears well the the, the problem 
the problem is by that point we know it's not her so now she's no longer necessary uh, right yeah. and, and, well, well, we technically, when did we figure out it was the old lady doing it what about an hour and 15 in because i look because yeah. i remember i remember at that point looking at my looking at my clock going wait a minute how much time has gone past because it's like i, I felt like this was really early, and then i realized I'm like there's still like 40 minutes left in this movie yeah that was kind of soon was i wonder yeah. why you did that I think it, I think it basically is to to fill out Mrs. Chinodi. Ch- I mean, the Mrs. the um the actress playing Mrs. Chinodi is a very respected actress anyway. Yeah. They wanted Ger- they wanted Geraldine Page to play that part, right. but Geraldine Page was on Broadway, so Geraldine Page um asked um brought them this woman instead. So I've got this instead of another idea. What if this instead was a sort of origin story? So we see. Alice seeing arguments, death, fear, abandonment in the institute, whatever, and suddenly after all the killing and after all the drama, et cetera, suddenly she gets like, okay, so I'm supposed to kill now. Let me get the knife. So I've learned that's how I'm supposed to be. I don't know. It's kind of like she becomes the product of all this, like the kind of like the bad products of this old mess. And it's kind I of would like have, I would have liked Alice to be the murderer. Alice. I would like her to be the murderer, Alice. I would like to have been the murderer. I would have liked to see how that played out to you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, nothing. I nothing's like better. Too obvious. A little. Done yeah, it would have been yeah. too obvious. So it kind of has that whatever happened to Auntie, you know, who slew Auntie Rue or whatever happened. This to is Aunt, definitely Aunt a good dose kinda of that kind of guilt. The whole movie. I, I looked up uh, Alfred Soul, and he's you know he he made four movies. The two after this were both horror movies. Before this, he made a porno. Yeah, and that's the oh, reason no why he's anti. I didn't know that. That's the that's yeah. the reason why he's anti-Catholic because um, he made the porn film and the church gave him hell for it. This community did, and they and yeah, they got kicked out of they got kicked out of church for his porn everybody, film. Everybody's fucking, but nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> Sometimes, well, it depends what you look like, whether we want to see it or not. <laughs> so. That's true. Like geriatric <laughs> sex that I wasn't pretty aware of that was coming. Okay. Precisely. the end of the literary license podcast next week we'll be covering the color purple by alice walker and the steven spielberg film of the same name and of course in our next time we'll do eminem we'll be covering two classics which will be m the fritz lang film dealing with a child um pedophile again because we just love that theme and badlands with martin sheen and sissy spacek and of course, our make remake is Scarface, the 1930s version, and the 1980s Brian De Palma version. And of course, we'll be continuing with our Batman and our Doctor Who retrospectives. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. Good night, Vix. Good night, everybody. Good night, David. Good night. And we'll see you next week for the color purple. And good, you sure is. <laughs> Each time I see a little girl of five or six or seven, I can't resist a joyous urge to smile and say thank heaven. For little girls, for little girls get bigger every day. Thank heaven for little girls. 
They grow up in the most delightful way. Those little eyes, so helpless and appealing, one day will flash and send you crashing through the ceiling. Thank heaven for little girls. Thank heaven for them all, no matter where, no matter who. Without them, what would little boys do? Thank heaven, thank heaven, thank heaven for little girls. So helpless and appealing One day will flash and send you crashing through the ceiling Thank heaven for little girls Thank heaven for them all No matter where, no matter who Without them what would little boys do Thank heaven Thank heaven Thank heaven for little girls. <laughs>